0: I don't want to be controversial, because I looked up to Chris a lot, and I don't want people to think that this is taking a shot at him at all.
1: James English wins his first classic physique bodybuilding competition. I have BB Pro bodybuilder, powerlifter, and insane fucking nutty arm wrestler. These are the terms of the game that we're playing.
0: Gear has to be taken. What's your thought on the normalization of steroids? Do not fucking copy what I'm doing. And I still am. Obviously, I'm open about the fact that I use stuff, but it's it's a little iffy for me. With Anton, that's the situation where. Oh, damn, dude. And let me tell you, when it kicked in a whole week worth of shit. came out.
1: <laughs> I don't think for a second that Larry is lying. What's up, homies? So this podcast with James is a very long one since we have a lot of topics that we want to discuss and that we honestly couldn't stop discussing. But I'd like to provide this disclaimer before the podcast starts. Basically, ideating steroids for a full show discounts a lot of the backbone of the sport, which is the hard work, the time required, and spreads that message that a chemical solution is all you need for top results. And both of these are antithetical to society's understanding of the sport. And while there will always be some that disagree that PEDs and claim that PEDs is all you need, I would like to deliver an honest message that what is required to achieving top performance in this sport as well as reaching your highest goals in the sport are associated as well with a lot of dangers and hopefully with some transparent talk, we can provide some awareness as to how we can at least reduce the harm in the process if this route is chosen.
0: I noticed sometimes with 10, I would almost get like too wired. I don't know about you, but 10 is like, that's a lot of Addy for me.
1: No, dude, I'm the exact same way. I'm pretty sensitive to it's it. It's kind of cool to hear it, because normally I don't hear many people that are like that, too. drive Adderall, so I've been taking it like since college, high school, college. And um, I used to take like 20 milligram back in college. I'd be wired as fuck. And after, afterwards, I just like... I feel really Wait,
0: are you cool talking about this? Yeah. I'm Let's good. just start the pod just like this. <laughs> I'll talk about it. Is, okay. it, is it recording?
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. But I would feel like... After taking the Adderall, right, Um, because I'm prescribed 20 milligrams, I would just start feeling, like, really, like, depressed. Oh, the day after? Like, really lonely and depressed. The day after or the day of? No, like, as I was coming down. And then if I've been taking it regularly, the day after, too.
0: Yeah, dude. Sometimes, like, I gave some, I won't say who, but it was a family member. And uh, they went to work, and they had, like, the best fucking day at work. And then they said they came home and the next day they like couldn't work because they were so like, so sensitive to it. All their dopamine was just gone.
1: Yeah. It's so, I mean,
0: mine's not that extreme, but if I were to take like 20, like you were taking, I would Mm -hmm. be fucked. Were you taking XR or IR? The instant release or the extended? Extended. Extended.
1: I had, I had the Concerto for some time too. And I also had, what is it called? That starts with a vivance. Yeah, I had vivance and Concerted too, and um, Adderall was definitely more of a fucking druggy. Like I'm gonna fucking yeah, you get country. wired. Yeah, but nowadays I have to cut into quarters. Like if I take Adderall at all, I'll take like five milligrams. And I used to take it as part of my pre snack before like a podcast. <laughs> But oh, before a podcast. I thought you meant pre-workout. Yeah, my pre-workout. My ass That's, a good ass that'd be pre- crazy. <laughs> oh, shit. No, um, before a podcast, but now I don't even take the Adderall because I've noticed it kind of changes my the way I react emotionally to things. Like, I'm already so high on dopamine. It's almost like...
0: What, it gets you agitated or
1: something? No, it's like... It's like I would... like I'm, like, zooming, bro. Like, you know, my mind's working. Like, I felt more like a computer. I felt a lot more like a robot than a fucking human being. Yeah. And when I'm on a podcast, it's nice to like spiel information and shit, but that's not really what I want to do a podcast for. Can I go headphone free? Yeah, you can, you can do whatever you want. Cool. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I, I used to take, we would take like 10 before podcast and sometimes I just wouldn't be able to shut the fuck up. And we have a guest there and I'm like, so you heard about this and that? (laughs) You know, and then I'd see the comments and people would be like, bro, let the guest talk. And I'm like, shit, I can't take Addy next time. And then I'd take Addy next time and I'd do the same thing. So yeah, now it's just 2.5, which sound... Dude, I hear these dosages that some people take and it just blows my mind. I, I know everyone responds differently to drugs, but I was watching... Uh, I was watching Dave Portnoy, you know, Dave Portnoy, um, Barstool Sports president. Mm. I was watching him on some podcast. It might have been Joe Rogan. And he was saying how he's taken Adderall for a long time. And then he's like, I've toned it down a lot recently. Like, I don't take nearly as much as I used to. And I'm expecting him to say he only takes like five nigs now. And he says 30. He's like, I take about a 30 in the morning. And that like gets me through the day. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, dude. Your neurons are fucking fried. What the hell? Yeah. 30 crazy. If I took 30, that wouldn't even be like a focus aid anymore. That would just be like a wreck drug. That would, be, that would be me just like getting high on Addy, you know? Yeah. And for me, Adderall's always been like, take it to
1: do something don't take it just to get high I feel like that would be like taking the hardcore like green yoda or something a hardcore what green yoda what is that? orange tesla
0: oh press like pills? a molly
1: yeah like press pills oh yeah like ecstasy. ecstasy yeah yeah what's the difference anyway just like fillers and shit um so molly is just like straight mdma right yeah. mdma powder and then ecstasy is is, is essentially mdma mixed with a bunch of crushed uppers so it caffeine could be caffeine and shit oh it could be fucking anything it could be speed it could, oh. it could be meth there's Ooh. been there's been some with meth and probably nowadays it's probably also got fentanyl in it oh yeah that's tough
0: That's pretty bad dude that's got to be a deadly combo fentanyl and mdma because you got And especially if they put some like meth in there, (laughs) what the fuck are you even taking at that point, dude? I'd be in the rave fucking wondering what planet I'm on. Oh, they're all out to get me. (laughs) I mean, I think a lot of them do. Dude, that's crazy. No, I mean, if I'm going to take something, I want to know that it's pure, you know, that's why like those ecstasy pills. I mean, not that I've taken Molly that many times, but I'm definitely like that fentanyl stuff is pretty scary because I didn't, I didn't really ever keep up on it. And I kind of just thought it was like fear porn. You know, it's one of those things that circulates the media and it's the new thing to be scared of. But then some people that I had like one or two degrees of separation from started to die from it. It's like, oh, so-and-so's son died from fentanyl. They thought they were taking Xanax or something. And it's like, that's fucking crazy. And the, have you ever seen the lethal dose of fentanyl in like on a so table, small, it's like bro. a grain of sand. It's, so dude. Small. it's micrograms. <laughs> it's, yeah, it is. It's crazy. Is it like? It's like six micrograms or something? I don't know it's the exact amount. I think it's, I think it's so around like there. And I mean, eight. if you're some dude cooking Teslas in a bathtub, you really think you're going to like <laughs> yeah, get exactly. accurate down to the microgram? <laughs> right. So yeah, yeah, that shit is super scary, but do they have tests for it? Like, can you test for fentanyl?
1: Yeah. So there's, um, there's like a little thing where you can like mix it in there and it dissolves. Obviously your drug is gone unless you want to drink it. Right. But, um, then you can test that, but obviously and it turns a color or something. Right. So you can test the batch, but you don't know for sure if that's the entire batch because of the whole, you know, mixture Mm -hmm. and distribution. So unless you want to be super extra and cut a fucking sliver off of each Tesla
0: you have and then <laughs> and then test all of them all at once. <laughs> yeah, because they have that. Well, the, the,
1: thing, uh, the thing about that, too, is like so I've had the um I've had the uh, the owner of uh, fentanyl solutions. Right. And she basically promotes. Um, letting people know that fentanyl is out there in a lot of these underground drugs. Mm-hmm. So she told me a story about how there was this woman who her kid couldn't go to sleep. I think it was like a teenager or something. And he just like was having like a lot of sleep problems. So she decided to give him like like an eighth of like his Xanax. Like, you know how you can cut his Xanax in like four, oh, yeah, four yeah. quarters? Like she cut that in half again, gave that to him and he died. What the fuck? Fentanyl. Because, because it was an underground. All fentanyl in that were like, was concentrated on that corner. What? So they tested the
0: rest of the pill and it had nothing no fentanyl but then that that corner had it. I don't something.
1: know the uh, I don't know the exact details, but I'm assuming it's something along those lines. That is
0: crazy, dude. And also Xanax, not to get too deep into the drug talk here, but Xanax is one of those things where if you mix it, like Xanax on its own, you can actually take a lot of it relatively safely, but as soon as you mix a little bit of Xanax with something else it can have like super bad um you know
1: combination effects, mm-hmm. and that'll kill you. I feel like that happens with a lot of drugs, like that. Any depressants that you combine with each other, right? So like ketamine and alcohol, especially GHB and alcohol, right? Wait,
0: what's the uh, what's what's the in, what's the uh, interaction? That's the word I'm looking for
1: between ket. Oh, say it. Don't spray it. Ketamine and <laughs> alcohol. So I mean the 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 main interaction for most of these drugs that are depressants is like if you combine them, it'll just slow your respiratory system. So you start breathing more slowly until the point where possibly you just stop stop breathing. Like a lot of the reasons like there's deaths from GHB is because it's so easy to overdose. And then when you do overdose, if you overdose too much, you just stop breathing.
0: Yeah, that's what I've heard. The difference, dude, with the thing, that's the reason I never took GHB is because the difference between an effective dose and a lethal dose is only like a factor of two. Yeah. Like you take two and a half mils or whatever, you you feel it. You take five, you're fucking dead. And that scared me so bad. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to mess with this stuff. Yeah, it's but, very uh, scary. I
1: um <sighs> I might as well say it because honestly, it's actually a really good message for the people out there. I don't really talk about it because it's always been a very sensitive place. But uh, I've had a best friend that passed away from, from GHB. And uh, it was a really, really ridiculous and really stupid thing. But it was a complete accident. Someone had GHB in a water bottle. Oh. Yeah. And they were all fucked up. So he wanted to just drink some water, drink it, didn't know what it was, and passed out. And uh, stopped breathing for like, I don't know, an hour or more, you know, brain damage. And then just, they couldn't revive him. Fuck.
0: Were you with him when
1: that happened? I wasn't with him. I actually had seen him like the previous day and I was actually texting him right before that. So I just remember my friends coming to me and telling him me he was at the hospital and then
0: Jesus dude. When, when did that happen?
1: Last year, Fuck. So like a year ago,
0: man, I'm sorry to hear that. That's fucking awful. It's all so was, it happen. was, it was pure GHB in a water bottle. Yeah.
1: Who the fuck carries around pure GHB in a water <laughs> bottle, dude? That's what I. That's what everyone was uh, was asking. That's what everyone was really pissed about. Was this guy just like passing it out to people? Like, here, take some? I don't really know the details. Plus, I'm a little bit nervous to talk about them, if that makes any sense. Okay. Especially since it's still kind of recent. Yeah. It's still kind of touchy for some people. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. whoever friends of mine that might happen to listen to this podcast know exactly who I'm talking about. Right. So. But... I just wanted to let that out there so people understand like the repercussions and how dangerous it is. Like,
0: well, I mean, if you're talking about getting a good message across, you just convinced me to never touch it. So (laughs) I think, I think you just convinced a lot of other people to never touch it. That
1: is dude, that's fucked. Yeah. Accidents happen though. It's like the same, like, I don't know. It's, it's like, that's like such a crazy accident. Um, but I think. I think these things are, there's so many dangers everywhere. And if you're like aware of like what you're doing with like a correct dosage of whatever you're taking, I think there's like a level of like, what am I trying to say here? Intelligence when you go about it, like awareness of doing things correctly. Yeah. Like, like I want, I want like, Like, the whole reason that, like, one of the big reasons I even created my podcast, right, it's called Transparent, is, like, not because I want to, like, promote trend, right? It's because I just want to fucking talk about it. It's a good name. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, bro. That's (laughs) the only reason you need. (laughs) But I just wanted to talk about it, man. Like, I just want people to know, like, I know people are going to take things regardless, right? There's going to be people that take GHB regardless. There's going to be people that take ketamine. There's going to be people that take molly, Adderall, everything. Mm. But, like, a lot of the times that people have accidents is because they're not completely aware of all the potential possibilities and maybe their own dose too right and like even like in gear right and like bodybuilding and stuff part of the game is like learning your own response to certain doses
0: yeah oh yeah you can't just go copying someone's cycle who's been doing it for years and just like assume that the same thing's going to happen to you with no repercussions well oh, this person does it i'll do it too like that's stupid and that happens so much so much bro it's crazy man (laughs) that's why i used and i still am obviously i'm open about the fact that i use stuff but it's it's a little iffy for me to like reveal specific dosages but it's kind of a it's a hard line to define because it's like well if i'm open about being on stuff then should i be open about the specific compounds I take. And if I'm open about the specific compounds I take, well, why not be open about the dosages too and just say, don't do this? You know, so it's like, and even, you know, Chris Bumstead, he never used to talk about gear. And then recently he did some video, some YouTube video, and he said, I'm on 500. And that's like all he said. He didn't really specify. I don't think he even said test. I think he just said, I'm on 500. He was like really cryptic about it. But
1: it's like... Didn't he say something like he's like never... In the past, he's never done more than 500 milligrams of tests or something?
0: Maybe. And I'm not going to... I don't know all the public statements that Bum's made about this stuff. So maybe he has been more open than I think. But I always understood his perspective to just not talk about it. Because he doesn't want a bunch of kids out there just like copying his cycle. But then if you're going to like cryptically reveal, oh, I'm on 500, it's like, well... You might as well just say it at that point, you know, <laughs> 500 what? <wide. laughs> because we'll, someone's going to go and check 500 trend, you know? So mm. I, I, I am having trouble like defining that line for myself too, because as time goes on, I realize like, it's not just some big sandbox where I can do whatever the fuck I want and say whatever the fuck I want when it, when I know there's people that follow me that look up to me that could potentially like copy what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I still err on the side of being open, but I try to just really layer it with like, do not fucking copy what I'm doing unless you want to go to the Olympia stage. Like in that case, go for it because I'm not going to tell you that you can make it to that level being natural. I'm not going to lie to you, but if you just want to like look like me casually, don't fucking copy my cycles and don't copy anyone else's cycles. I just... I just always thought that was kind of silly, but it's gonna happen regardless. So it's like, are my efforts
1: futile? Right, yeah, maybe. I feel like half the time people, I feel like half the time people might not even believe you too.
0: Oh yeah, oh and that's happened before too. I said I was on 600 DECA and um, 10, 600 DECA per week and 10 D-ball per day. And someone on YouTube like, clipped the part where I said, I'm on 10 D ball a day. And he made it sound as though that was all I was taking. And he's like, James is obviously lying because you can't make gains on just 10 D ball a day. And I'm like, dude, I'm also on 600 deca per week, Mm -hmm. you know? So it like stuff gets taken out of context and clips get promoted and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just kind of uh, something that I've become more aware of as time has gone on. Because I used to just be like, "Hey guys, this is my new cycle. This is what I'm taking. Whatever. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then, and but w- what happened is I got some DMs of people being like, hey, James, I'm wondering your advice. I just started on 500 tests and I'd look on their profile and they're like 19 years old. And I'm like, are you wanting to be a professional bodybuilder or are you just fucking around with 500 meg's of tests right. and potentially... Messing yourself up for a while, you know, shutting your endocrine system down. Okay.
1: I might be overstepping my bounds right now, but what are your thoughts on Anton?
0: I don't see how that's overstepping. Yeah. Yeah. No, Anton's fucking dope. Like, what do you mean? Was What's my thoughts on Anton? Because you were talking about um,
1: a kid who like, oh, hypothetically messaged yeah. you at the age of 19. With
0: Anton, that's the situation where, oh, this is a whole nother topic it kind of gets into this topic of like, uh, hmm. if you want to be at that level, like if you uh, Anton obviously wants to win the Mr. Olympia, you Mm -hmm. can fucking just tell he like lives and breathes bodybuilding. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit here and like morally, you know, people almost like virtue signal. And they say you shouldn't take gear at 19. And I'm like, well, if you're, you're 19, you're not a child anymore. You're still young, but you have a developed brain. You, you are aware of the risks you're taking. I assume because you have a coach and you have friends that are around you telling you about the risks and you can use the fucking internet. If your goal is to win the Olympia and you accept the potential health risks that you're taking, I'm not going to tell you not to do it. You know, with Anton, it's like, we've already, we've all accepted. These are the terms of the game that we're playing gear has to be taken. So from, from there, it's kind of fair game, you know, Mm -hmm. once you're at that level, but if you're just like starting out, starting out with gear, kind of testing the waters, that's when it's really like, I would drive the point home of all the dangers and maybe you don't want to do this, but when you're Anton, it's like, he just won the overall and he's going straight for the fucking O stage. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to tell him to, you know, ease off or anything like that. I would Mm -hmm. just remind him to like get his blood work done and shit, but he already knows that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like once you get to that level, it's kind of like
1: you get it. Right. I think, um, analogy that I've thought of is like Anton has jumped, right? He's already made that jump. Whereas, whereas a majority of people maybe at that or around that age that are interested are all dipping their toe in the water. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that's the part where it's like, you know, if you do it, you're already there. If Mm -hmm. you join the dark side, you're in the dark side, you know? So it's best to know everything about the dark side before you decide to commit to it because otherwise you can't, you can't get out. Exactly.
0: So, you know, there's a lot of the guys that have gone to the Olympia have started gear early and you could call that a dark side of the industry. You could call that just the way it is. But however you want to phrase it, that is what bodybuilding is at least right now. Maybe in the future, the trend will shift more towards like, we don't care about these roided freaks anymore. We want to watch natural bodybuilding. But since the inception of anabolic steroids, the public's eyes have been on unnatural on bodybuilding. I don't think you can name who the best natural in the world is. Like natural bodybuilder. Yeah. Right. Can you?
1: Definitely not. Because And no, I'm not no discrediting
0: com- that person at all. I'm just pointing out... Th- There is a guy out there right now with 23 million followers who's bigger than most celebrities because he's the classic Mr. Olympia, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's not a natural that's even close, not even in the same fucking universe as that. Mm -hmm. So we can sit here and cry about steroids and their dangers all we want, but that's just the way it is. And as long as there's eyes, there's going to be money and traffic and, you know,
1: I think the reason for that... So here's here's my thought is that... Um, and then I want to ask you... I'll just ask you afterwards. But my thought is that, uh, honestly, in the last year, I was kind of surprised to see how many people were moving towards natural body. Oh, yeah. And, like, the interest in social media. And, like, um, you know, Shizzy, Alex, Max, mm-hmm. they all look great. But, like, honestly, I'm I was very surprised to see just how like maybe it, maybe it's because of them maybe because it's cuz of creators like them who have kind of increased the popularity of natural bodybuilding uh but i was honestly kind of surprised to see how much it increased and i i appreciated it and i liked it the part that mm-hmm. was kind of like off putting was like when you would see those comments where people just like absolutely insult the shit out of anybody taking any gear or drugs yeah, you yeah. Know, <laughs> it's just it's always going to exist it's
0: silly but. because all of their favorite MMA fighters or football players, all those guys are on shit too. They're not on mm-hmm. the same kinds of drugs, right? Yeah. Like you're, you're not going to probably take something like, uh, you know, D-ball as an MMA fighter, mm-hmm. make you all watery and shit, but they're on performance enhancing drugs and they're on steroids and people pop all the time. So ultimately, when people look into any kind of athletic venture, whether it's bodybuilding whether it's football, whether it's MMA, baseball, whatever, they want to see the pinnacle of human performance. Yeah. And there is a certain class of drugs that like vastly increases that pinnacle, right? It allows you to get onto a new playing field. So and something I've noticed is like even the people cuz I've I've looked at this before. I've looked at some of the comments of people just ripping those people you were talking about that just rip on anyone who ever takes steroids. And then I go check who they're following. They're following c They're following Jay Cutler. Oh, yeah. So like they can sit there and kind of talk about how awful steroids are. But at the end of the day, they still follow the big names that are obviously juicy. Mm-hmm. So it's like how much do you really mean that,
1: <laughs> you know? Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. You should, you should go look. Just if they have a public profile, look at their following list and you'll probably see a few juicy guys on there because okay. I even get comments about it like disparaging me for taking gear from people that follow me and it's like well, why are you following me <laughs> I've had that before too bro
1: <laughs> I've had that before too and I'm just like I don't, it doesn't make any sense maybe they're just doing it for the sake so they can um, figure out things to pick at you for to make them feel better yeah you know? i've I've always said that um I've said this before in a podcast but the way I see it is like imagine someone. You know, whenever you want to basically like, like you want to feel the emotions that you're, that you're going through, right? If you hide them away, then they're always going to be there. But like therapy is a way for you to talk to somebody and kind of like let that out, right? Well, imagine you're somebody who doesn't go to therapy or imagine you're somebody who doesn't have friends and then you just create like a private profile. Mm -hmm. How much easier is it for you to literally let that out by just typing it into someone's comment page where you know that someone. Oh,
0: yeah. And, but that's been happening since the dawn of the internet. You know, this, like I've, I've kind of made fun of Jordan Peterson. Obviously, you know, Jordan Peterson, because he has gone on such a tirade against these anonymous trolls as he calls them. Mm -hmm. But I never actually listened to what he had to say about it. And once I heard his side and heard him I didn't just see a tweet from him, but I heard him actually talk about it long form. It actually made a lot of sense. Like never before in history have you been able to say like just spread mass amounts of filth and shit (laughs) completely anonymously. It's kind of a new thing and we don't really know how to deal with it. Mm. Like it's a back 300, 400 years ago. If you said something, it was you saying it and kind of the whole world knew what your view was. But now with this anonymous culture where you can just make a new account, no profile picture, no one knows who you are. It's like, it's weird. Mm -hmm. We've never had to deal with this before. So at this point, my brain kind of auto filters these anonymous comments out. And sometimes I block them and sometimes I'm just like, oh, whatever. But... I remember when I first started, I was like, who the fuck is this guy saying this about me? Who are you? Comment back. Private profile. No profile pic. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like,
1: they love that. They love that. So I just don't respond anymore. I think the crazy thing is when you look at those comments, you think like, "Holy shit! Like, really? Like a thousand of you think this? Like, you have like a thousand likes on one top comment? And you're like a fucking thousand of you people think this?" Well, but you're probably talking
0: out. about when you have a reel or something that blows up, right? Exactly. Well, when and somebody- that's, but that's actually a good thing. And I think I should put some perspective onto you right now because th- what that means is your reel is getting showed shown to a new audience. Yeah. And you're getting a bunch of people that are vaguely interested in bodybuilding and they're seeing you and they, their initial reaction, some of them is to hate because you are levels above them, right? If your reel gets shown to your own audience, chances are a lot of the people that are watching it are people who lift, who probably have a good physique and you're only 50% better than them. So they look at someone, they look At you as inspiration, something they can work towards. But if you're real, if you looking like fucking, you know, Goku gets shown to a bunch of people that are only beginners in the gym, it seems so unattainable and out of reach that it's like, well, I'm never going to get there ever. And it's because they haven't even really tried. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to get there ever. So I'm just going to go like the negative comments on this because then they feel other people feel the same way as them oh, other people also feel like this guy's completely out of reach. We should just hate on him. So then they go like all the comments and then these these comments accrue a bunch of likes. But there's just as many other people that are
1: looking at you saying, damn, this guy looks sick. Well, the thing that I was, uh, and I totally agree with you, but the thing that I was like trying to point out at is I think there's just this, this like fucking phenomenon of shit where these days now you got TikToks, you got Instagram reels, which seem to be, Principally, even worse now, where something's gonna blow up. Wait, dude, have you seen the TikTok versus Instagram
0: Reels comments? And it'll like show the side by side.
1: I've, I've talked to people about it. Yeah. It's yeah. so funny, it's crazy, bro. bro. It'll be it's all like crazy.
0: positive comments. Wow, you look so
1: beautiful on the TikTok ones. Then the same thing gets posted on Instagram. Yeah, dude. And then <laughs> some of the comments are so funny, dude. Well, that's what I'm getting at. Is like, all right. So you remember in the Young and Light group chat where noel Dazel was like hey guys there's this kid that's yeah. just being torn up right yeah his name is um his name's presley so if any of you guys have love out there i i i i think it would be great to show him some love but like you see this kid's reels that are popping off he's just like a 13 year old he's trying to like just better himself and there is this thing where like Everybody that follows this kid or sees this kid is on a competition to get the very best comment. <laughs> so it's literally all it is now. So, so like the dude, best comments, up, the best comments bro. The best comments are like fucking Andrew, come dumpster, and like like <laughs> Alex, retard, fat It's <laughs> <laughs> So oh God, bad.
0: Dude. Yeah. It it'll be. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I'll see like. I'll see someone that just should not be made fun of, but I see it on my feed and I'm like, oh no, if it's getting recommended to me, bro, all the comments are going to be awful. And I'll open the comment section and like the GIFs people will post. (laughs) Dude. And then there will be that one person that says like, as soon as this got recommended to me, I knew the comments were going to be awful. (laughs) Cause that means it's on your algorithm. So it's other people like you. Oh, dude. Yeah, it's fucked up, though.
1: I think we forget, though, to, like, look at, like, the amount of views that, say, like, your reel gets, and then maybe even, like, the amount of likes, if that even matters, and then you see the amount of, like, likes on that comment. Exactly. More than often than not, it's such a small percentage.
0: And that's something I was going to bring up to you, too, is, like, when you have a reel pop off and you see those hate comments, you have to look at the views on the reel. You have to say, well, this reel got 10 million views, and this comment only has... 10,000 likes, you know, so that's one one 1,000th of the people that watch this are even seeing and liking this comment. And once you put it into perspective and you think through it logically, it becomes easier to deal with. But, you know, I think some people just fixate on that number. It's like, oh my God, everybody hates me. No, you just hit the algo and, you know,
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's how it goes. All right. Okay. So, you know, funny thing, I actually normally have like a little quick intro too, but I'm just going to fucking do it right now. Whether I put it in the beginning or not, I'll figure that out later. But <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> some of you guys probably already know who I'm speaking with. In fact, probably most of you guys, though. But if you don't, I'm with James English, the uh, IFBB Pro bodybuilder, powerlifter, and insane fucking nutty arm wrestler. <laughs> and YouTuber and co-host of the podcast, Moncast.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not co host anymore. Now I'm just the host host. Got to get Sush back on there, bro. We live in the same city now. Yeah. But... uh But Modcast isn't even really operational anymore. I want to get back on it, but dude, it, it, it did really well, very consistently.
1: Um, I don't really know why I stopped it. (laughs) Hey bro, it's fucking like when you're consistent with YouTube and podcasting and like Instagram posting and all this shit and starting your own companies, bro, it's just like, you can only take so much. And in this creative yeah. world, I think we all feel like we have to do everything, um, but it's it, it, there's a point where like the burnout is like a thing that people really, I think, undermine.
0: Oh, yeah. And also, when you're in this kind of creator space, um, I don't know if this is going to be able to go with the intro, because we, we're start, starting a convo <laughs> off of the intro, but you're going to, you know, you might be um slightly harder worker. On a, than the average person, but you're kind of gonna filter out all the super hardworking people into a group, so that all the people you surround yourself with are very hard workers, and then you're gonna have that like one in a hundred influencer, one in a thousand. Like I look to someone like Jesse James West, he just is such a fucking hard worker, and it kind of makes you feel like you're not doing nearly enough, and you're just a piece of shit. But it's Actually, just like Jesse's brain is wired to just be a really fucking hard worker and no amount of Adderall or, you know, energy drinks or anything is going to change that for you. So you just kind of have to deal with it. Like you're dealt a certain hand of cards when it comes to your personality traits. And some people just get that conscientious card, you know, they get it like quadrupled and, uh, yeah, I try, I, I, you can only do as good as you can do. That's you what, shouldn't compare yourself too
1: much. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to like push to the people who, cause this is something that people forget easily. Like, especially if like you hear say like there's a, a bunch of people listening to like one reel and a reel pops off where Larry is talking about his dosage of like tests and other gear that he took to hit his PR. Right. That was like a pretty controversial clip that I put out and I, I really had no expectation it was going to be controversial. That was at least the last thing I wanted. But seeing that, you know, everyone has a different like mindset on how much they should be taking. But I think when they comment, a lot of times people don't think like some people take 60 milligrams of Adderall. That guy you're talking about, literally his low dose is 30 milligrams of Adderall. Some people can't take any Adderall. Some people take zero Adderall, Uh right? Same thing could be said about gear. They're both drugs. Very true. So, I mean, like, why would you, like, if you're taking 500 milligrams and you don't have as much of a, like a response as Larry, who's taking 500, like do you really think he's just lying, or maybe yeah, we're all and just also different, you know
0: Larry is like an outlier of outliers because <laughs> even if he was natty, he would probably be bigger than like me by a mile. He's just one of those people where it's like i I don't think for a second that Larry is lying i don't even that's not even a thought to me, yeah, I think that he would look huge on t r t and he'd look even huger on moderate dosage. What was his if, if you don't mind me asking, what was his uh his cycle that he was on to yeah, hit so those PRs?
1: That's the crazy thing is like when I look at it, it makes literally a thousand percent like a thousand percent sense to me. So basically on I think um you might find. okay, I'm gonna bring up the the one that's like I guess the most Crazy. Controversial, yeah, is, okay. is his most recent competition, right? He had to jump off of his cycle, basically just go on TRT, take some Anivar, also Clan, and he also took T3 because his coach told him, you're going to have a hard time making weight for the amateur division.
0: So, so you have to lose some muscle. So Ooh. we're going to
1: have to cut you down a lot. Yeah, so basically he was like 280. He's been 300 at his highest, but uh-huh. he sits around 275 to 280 comfortably. He had to get to... I. Two thirty-two, I think, right? Yeah, like two thirty-five to maybe two thirty-two, right? Which is a lot of fucking weight to cut down, especially in how much time that he had. Yeah, I I don't remember. Do you remember how long his prep was? I think it was six weeks. That's what I was thinking. It was crazy, bro.
0: But like, dude, I can't even knock it because he came in so fucking conditioned. Yeah, there was this picture of him. Um, there was a side by side of like his his previous competition. And then the recent one, and even though he was like 50 pounds lighter or 40 or 30 pounds lighter, he looked so much bigger recently Mm because he was so fucking peeled. I mean, I feel like the most conditioned you'll ever see someone is when they're competing in classic and they're way too big and they have to make weight. Yeah. Because they just get like bonkers peeled because they need to make weight, you know, like I could have been way leaner at, at my show. And I was pretty shredded, but Larry was on a whole different level. I mean, he was peeled to the gills. So, and he only did, so he was just on TRT and VAR and T3 and what else? And CLEN. And CLEN. Okay, so for those who don't really know, T3 and CLEN are not even steroids. T3 is a thyroid medication, kind of a fat burner, and CLEN is also a fat burner. Um, so just test and VAR. But the thing is, when you have that amount of muscle... It doesn't take much to hold on to it. Plus building muscle right, is what's hard.
1: Right. And he's but, not trying to fill out. He's trying to do the opposite. Yeah. He's trying yeah. to lose weight. Yeah. So adding adding more compounds, especially ones that like add water weight to you, is literally the opposite of his goal.
0: Right. Yeah. Dude. And he did he did an arm wrestling competition, I think just like three weeks or something before he did the show, four weeks something like that, it was, it was pretty close to it. And if you've never done an arm wrestling competition, which 99.9% of people haven't, that shit will smoke you. He did a super match, which is basically just maximum torque. Try as hard as you can for five rounds. best of five. And uh, it tears you up. It's like doing 10 arm workouts in a row Jeez. on one arm. So <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. I, I mean, he's just a freak of nature. And he really, if he decided to focus on one specific thing, uh, he would just dominate at whatever it is. I think he's just, Larry's so good at, he's just so athletic and so strong and so muscular that he kind of has this whole like available, this whole kind of arsenal of things that he can do. And he can't really choose because he's like, well, I'm good at arm wrestling, I'm good at bodybuilding, I'm good at powerlifting, I'm good at strongman, like what the fuck do I even do? You know, so I think he's just kind of having fun with it. But we'll see if he decides to focus on something.
1: I think he's, they're really focusing on bodybuilding right now, but bro, he's just, another thing about him is he's just so fearless. I don't know how much I can talk about this right now, but my boy Trevor just called me, who like, he lives with Larry and he like works for him for Snapchat. I'm trying to think about if I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. It shouldn't be a big deal.
0: I mean, if it if it should be a big deal, just say it. And okay. if you need to
1: cut it out, then cut it out. All right. Larry, don't get mad at me. If so, I swear I'll cut this out. But uh, I think yesterday, I think Larry was trying to do squat maxes for like, I think he was doing 750, as many reps as possible, and he tore his hamstring. Oh. Yeah. So I guess, um, I think I'm going to meet up with him at um, Zoo's full, like, one year tear? anniversary. Do you I don't, know? I don't know if it was a full tear or not, but all I know is Trevor's like, yeah, he's not going to be doing leg day anytime soon, no. Which is crazy, because that's God. what he was trying to bring up. Yeah, that, that sucks. sucks.
0: Yeah, That sucks. And it sucks that with lagging body parts, they tend to be the ones that get injured the most. It's kind of like a you know a double whammy, because if you have a lagging body part, you need to train it harder, and you need to train it more often. And that just makes you more prone to injuries. I've noticed that with my legs a ton, dude. I had to get surgery on my adductor, my lower oblique, Um, it was one surgery. It was kind of both of those muscles tore and my knee has been giving me issues. Um, and it's because my legs are my lagging body part. What's not a lagging body part is my biceps. I have huge biceps, huge arms in general. I never get injured on my arms. Like never. Damn. Yeah. Ever. The only time I've got in recent history is like I popped my tricep a little bit, but that was training chest. So Mm -hmm. that was just kind of a secondary injury. I wasn't even training my tries. And that's just the way it goes. That sucks though. Cause if he did fill out his legs, like if he brought them up a lot. That would be crazy. Yeah, it would be crazy. And if he got his pro card, he'd have 10 extra pounds to work with. He wouldn't need to drop so much. He dude, he'd be really good. That back, that front double, his bone structure is just like, it was unlike anything I've ever seen. I remember the first time I met him in Dubai, he didn't really know who I was. But through his manager, Adam Silver, um, we got a workout in together and he was just standing. I've told this story before, but he was standing. Larry was just standing by Bino's gym entrance and I walked in to do this chest day with him and he just he was just a unit of a man. He looked like a refrigerator (laughs) and he's like, oh, hey, James. We're supposed to get a workout in together. And I'm like (laughs) trembling, shaking his hand. He's just got like the width of his shoulders is so crazy. It's so crazy. Just the bone structure. So when he hits this, it's like his lats just turn into wings. They just expand. And he's got a great vacuum too. Just from the waist up, he's like one of the best guys in classic, in my opinion. That's a super controversial take. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I really think he is.
1: I think he's got a pretty crazy upper body for sure too, and I think it's. It, I think it matches a lot of the uh, top athletes in in classic. Yeah, even at the Olympia right now. But um, honestly, I think in classic, I think legs win it. I think that's how it's going at the moment. Like, yeah, if you look at the top three guys. Like, I think the reason Urs is up there in the like, the main reason he's up there is because of his legs. He's got mm. those, like, Josthetics, like, German, just crazy sweep legs. That yeah, just, he does. Just fucking huge. Like, and those calves.
0: He it's And he doesn't massive. even train calves. They're just genetic. I, calves are, like, 75% genetic, but you can definitely grow them because I've grown mine. But weirdly enough, I've grown mine through hamstring exercises. RDLs, my calves will be sore the next day just from, like, stabilizing. And hamstring curls, your gastric is not only a ankle... What's that? An ankle extensor, but it's mm. also a knee flexor. So every time I do hamstrings, my calves are getting trained. Mm. But for a long time, I just thought it was hopeless. But they do grow. It just takes a <laughs> long time. It Let's takes go. a long, long time. The boys, and, we got hope. Yeah. And also, I know that some of the guys, I don't know about plastic, but um, there are like site injecting oils that people use. And I'm sure a lot of bodybuilders use them on their calves because that's like the most stubborn body part to grow. You're talking about
1: stuff other than, um, what's it called? Synthol?
2: Yeah,
0: not not even synthol. There's uh, some other compound that it almost creates like an inflammatory response mm-hmm. and swells the
1: muscle up. Someone and then it goes away. Someone was talking about that on the podcast. I can't remember who, but now I want to remember. Someone was literally talking. Oh, I think it was oh it was uh fucking it was larry's coach ryan benson okay yeah he said he tried it once and um the next <laughs> he said he tried it because it said pain free like injection oil. <laughs> and then the next day he couldn't walk He couldn't <laughs> yeah, get out of yeah, bed, yeah. so he never did it again <laughs> oh, shit. that's
0: funny was he did it the day of the show and then the next day you couldn't walk?
1: I don't think you did it for a show. I think you just tried. Oh, he just was fucking around with it? I think so. That would
0: suck if you did it the day before the show and, <laughs> and then you couldn't bro. walk on
1: stage. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> like crazy. limping on stage. She'd... Your calves won't move. Do you know Lexi from the Young Lee team? Yeah. 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 Um, She always had issues where she, when she, whenever she uh, hits hamstrings and she exercises hamstrings, she feels it in her calves. Really oh, hard. really? But she doesn't feel in her hams. Like, she's having issues feeling in her hams. So I tried to get her to do some stretch-mediated, like, hamstring curls because I feel like part of the issue maybe because she's just so flexible like she was a gymnast. And it seems like she feels like she might have felt it a little less in her calves but it's kind of like...
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel... I haven't had that problem. I definitely feel in my hamstrings, but I would say there's two ways to train your hamstrings. Like, there's two heads or whatever. There's the knee flexor, and then there's the hip extensor. And that would be something like RDLs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And RDLs have blown my calves up. So I'd say if she really, truly has played around with it a lot and can't feel it in her hamstrings, she should just do RDLs. And that's good for glutes, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But... um. Something I wanted to say, I can't remember now. <sighs> I put something on a mental shelf like 20 minutes ago, and now it's
1: just gone. My mental <laughs> shelf has like a megabyte of RAM, and that's it. Well, anyways, I wanted to backtrack it anyways to this thing that I've always wanted to ask you about your life. Okay. Honest. like, I don't know anything about like your childhood or what you've been through. So... If I was a a fly on your wall at this period in time, what is like the earliest childhood memory that you can think of that's like indicative of like what you do now?
0: Earliest childhood memory of what?
1: Like indicative of what you do now, like content creating, bodybuilding, just honestly, who you are. I thought
0: you were just asking about my earliest childhood memory, which is when it was around my second birthday. So it was a very, very early memory. And I think it's when I fucking gained consciousness, dude. (laughs) Because I remember I was on a slip and slide with my uncle. And then I was uh, kind of stomping around the grass and I looked up at the sun and I was just kind of staring at it cause I didn't know any better. And I just had this very primordial thought of what is that? And like, w- where am I? Whoa. It was kind of a very early like, wait, what, like what is all this? Um, and I remember asking my mom about it. I'm like, you remember I was on that slip and slide with Steven? She's like, yeah, that was your second birthday. How do you remember that? So that was when I gained consciousness. I always thought that was
1: pretty, pretty weird. But um That's crazy, dude. Yeah. My but first, then wait, go on? My first memory, I'm pretty sure is like I was in like preschool or something. No, before what yeah, is that preschool? Yeah, before kindergarten. And um I was like on this chair. The 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 teacher said, Don't go in the chair. Don't go in the chair because it's super tall. I was on the chair because I wanted to wash my hands. It was a wet I slipped and I hit my head like on the floor. <laughs> Yeah, and I just remember being brought to the hospital. And, that's and, first then, and then you memory, woke up
0: bro. with consciousness. All it took was that <laughs> head bonk, and you're like, whoa, I'm human. Uh. <laughs> no, but uh, then there's a big memory gap from, like, two years old to, like, four, and that's when I started having more memories. So I think it was just staring at that sun just uh, lit something up in there. <laughs> then I went back to toddler mode. But first memory of, like, indicative of what I do now Dude, not, not too much. You know, there's some people that say, oh, I always wanted to be a content creator. I've been making YouTube videos since I was fucking nine or whatever. But I never really, like, made content like that or anything. Um, I did gymnastics starting at four, and I quit when I was around 12. So I did it for eight years. And when I quit, you go from, you know, gymnastics training is pretty fucking rigorous And you go from training for gymnastics for like three, four hours a day, and then all of a sudden you just start doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, kind of restless. What am I doing? Not doing gymnastics anymore. So I started going to Planet Fitness with my mom just for something to do Mm -hmm. around the age of 14. And then I joined this gym down the street, Hard Knocks, which, you know, the gym is like what it sounds like, Hard Knocks. It's just (laughs) a dope-ass gym. And there was a bunch of, it's like an old school jam with like i was 15 at this point i just turned 15 and you were supposed to be 16 to join it but the owner uh the late owner rip dave Nock, could see i had a little bit of muscle from that Planet fitness training and he's like show me the smith machine and i point out the smith machine he's like okay show me the hamstring curl and he made me point out a few things and he's like okay you can join so i started going there and all the like old head like west side barbell guys just took me under their wing and kind of taught me how to train. So um, that's how I got started. And uh, yeah, I mean, the content thing was pretty slow. It was really just got inspired by David Laid. That was like, I watched him a lot. He was one of the few people I watched. And a lot of people told me I should, you know, post online. So I'm like, okay. Started a fitness Instagram and started a YouTube. And like, that was really it. There wasn't any you know, any long-term like struggle to success. There was, once I started, it's not like it was instant overnight or anything. It took many years, but yeah, I don't have any early memories of like being a YouTuber or anything like
1: that. Mm-hmm. Um, How come you started, Uh, how come you quit gymnastics? Injuries.
0: I was getting injured a lot. And... My coach was this old Greek guy. I fucking love the coach, but he was very, you know, he was very demanding. He was a good coach, but I kind of had a habit of training through pain and not really voicing enough when I was in pain. And I just, it led to a bunch of lingering injuries. And eventually I said, you know, my parents went from wanting me to stay in it to kind of being like, Hey, if you want to quit, you know, you can. And after a few years I quit. So it was really fun. I wish I didn't have to quit. I still follow some like D one gymnasts and I think it's fucking sick. I wish I didn't have to quit, but yeah. I was never very flexible anyway. So anything any movements that required a lot of flexibility usually led me to getting injured. Oh okay. Or made, made it made a much higher risk. If I was going to get injured on something, it wasn't a strength movement, mm-hmm. you know, like pommel horse. I never got injured on pommel horse. That's very strength oriented. It was usually something like floor where I needed to hit some kind of split or some kind of arch,
1: whatever, and a ligament would go. You oh, know? shit. Would you feel like that's something that was just just like part of your genetics or because I'm assuming that starting gymnastics since you were like four, you were probably stretching pretty regularly as part yeah, of the regimen. Definitely part of my genetics. There were some people that were just
0: so limber. Um, and I think I'm definitely built for strength and explosiveness. And I think part of that is fast, fast switch fibers. But I also think part of it is um, constantly tight muscles. And when your muscles are constantly like on the tighter end, you become much stronger, but you also are much less limber. Mm-hmm. People who have loose muscles, they're the more endurance types that might not be as strong, but they can do like super splits and stuff, which is where you literally go beyond a normal split. You put your feet up on mats and then the bottom part of mm-hmm. you like sinks down. It's crazy shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I could never even hit like a normal split. Could never even touch my toes. Damn. Yeah. So I had to like work my way around. Um, but there were some movements I could just never really do
1: perfectly. Damn, dude.
0: You know, I just want to be Juju Mofu. Yeah. He yeah, he's done super splits before, I think where he like puts, like you put a mat in front of you and a mat behind you so it's elevated surface and you put your foot just, on the front mat and the back mat and you can still touch the ground. That's crazy. Yeah, dude. it's super crazy. A lot of the girls that. could do it. Guys tend to be less flexible, but some of the guys could do it too. Jesus. I could
1: never get close. No, I can't even get close. Honestly, I think right now I could probably do like a... I could probably do like a 120 degree angle at most. Like a, a what? Ninety to like hundred twenty yeah, degree angle. I think angle. Dude, I think the same. Nowhere close to one eighty, not even close.
0: Yeah. You could probably, you know, you can definitely train for flexibility, but you just you just hit a certain point. And the bigger you get, the harder it gets right.
1: as well. Which is why when I watch like Rich Piana videos of him stretching, I'm just like, how the what th-? how does a body even move like right? that? Yeah. Like what has he done his whole life? Like I don't know. Yeah, understand. there's someone else
0: too. Super maybe I'm thinking of Jujimufu. But there are some guys that are super limber, and that is just genetic, I think, for sure. But you can definitely train for it too. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. And you should. You should work
1: on your mobility. I do practice. Like I, um, I stretch about maybe fifteen minutes before bed every day. But yeah, that's good. It's only been for like the last like year to year and a half. So
0: have you noticed
1: any improvements? I've noticed some improvements. Like I can touch my toes fairly easily now i I couldn't before when i started Mm -hmm. i had a hard time so there's there's like a few improvements but like most of the thing most of this was honestly just initiated because i kept having injuries from everything i was doing like i've had huge impingements in both my shoulders left and right from bench pressing trying to pr in college so my bench press is this is about the same as i had in college which is unfortunate Mm -hmm. i just dumbbell press now or do flies well that's
0: fine i mean if your goal is bodybuilding
1: right But it sucks because I got to see people like you fucking racking up four plates on bench press.
0: Yeah, but I've backed off on benching too. I will say I am, and for those who follow me, they know I'm very much the same when it comes to injuries. I just will pop something new just about every week and then I heal from it pretty quick. So, I mean, I guess it's a pro and a con. I heal fast, but I also injure a lot. Um, I wouldn't call them like full injuries. It's not like I tear a new muscle or something. It's just like I'll pull something or my knee doesn't feel quite right. Um, some of them are lingering and then some of them are just like, they randomly pop up. Right. You know, like this tricep thing, I popped it on bench and I hurt really bad couldn't sleep. And then a couple of days later it was like better.
1: Like, what the fuck was that?
0: Did I tear it in a heel? Like what, what just right. happened? You know, I couldn't sleep a couple of nights ago.
1: You want to know something crazy, bro? I fucking popped my left knee from like, from leg extensions. Like, okay, whatever. I was going hard at leg extensions, but then I popped my right knee like the next week because I was dancing.
0: that's usually how it happens though. Like with bodybuilders, I feel like the bad injuries usually don't happen in the gym. They happen whenever they try to do like whenever bodybuilder tries to do something, non-bodybuilding, they fucking hurt themselves. (laughs) Like it happened to Kyle, bro. Kyle Wilkes, my coach. He didn't really ever get injured in the gym. Not that often that I know of. And then he tore his quad doing a mud run and then he tore his tricep off the bone doing (laughs) lifting a dog trying to save a dog that fell off the couch oh yeah it wouldn't have even gotten hurt anyways but he just wanted to be (laughs) a nice guy and i guess he like tried to catch it and he fucking tore his tricep (laughs) like how dude how do you bench like hundreds of pounds how much pressure? he must have tried to fucking lift that dog through the ceiling or something how do you even create that much tricep I don't know. He must have gotten under it and tried to like (laughs) press it up. You know, like that's all he knew how to do. crazy. But I, yeah, I don't know how his tricep, it must have just been like your muscles get used to a specific motion and then if you kind of, usually it's a a sideways torque, will throw off a bunch of bodybuilders. Mm. That's why like you can train your biceps all you want, but you do arm wrestling, which is a lot of side to side movement. And it's like, there's no development in those regions. So they'll they'll have a sore arm for like two weeks. Mm. And it's because these ligaments in here are just not really developed at all. Um, And I think with him, he probably like just caught it at a weird
1: angle that his tricep was not developed in,
0: even though it sounds bro-sciencey, but there's nothing else that makes sense.
1: I mean, I don't think that's bro-sciencey at all. I think it makes all the sense. I think that's why they, uh, that's why you have to do so much warm up before doing any like Powerlifting or any PRs. And you also need to do a lot of like stabilization movements and external and internal rotations, all these things that no one ever wants to do.
0: Yeah. And it also, the stronger you get, I wouldn't say necessarily the older you get, even though that is true, but for us, like we're still young. So I don't think our ability to warm up or recover has decreased because we're still very young, but our strength has gone up over time. And the need to warm up a lot goes up with that. Back when I was a young power lifter, power builder, and I was benching like in the 200s on a normal workout, I could basically just warm up with bench. But now it's like I'm benching in the 400s. I need to do some shoulder warm ups, some arm, some upper back. You know, I need to warm up more than I used to, especially with legs. Like I got to get my legs warm before I even start warming up the exercise I'm about to do.
1: Bro, I didn't even warm up in college, man. You just, you just go in there and throw some weight on the bench Dude, press. That's crazy. I've never done that. Old I know some people that do style. though.
0: I know some people that still can do that to this day, and they're strong. And I just—I I, mean—I would snap
1: for no, sure. I would too. I yeah. have snapped. That's—that's that's honestly why. That's why I'm saying this right now. I'm just straight up honest. I was a fucking dumbass, so now I'm broken and I can't do PRs anymore. But. <laughs> So what about like squats and deads? So squats have been okay. I've been able to, I hit four oh five for eight for this, for my same max for the last like three years. And mm-hmm. I haven't been able to go up above that because I had a hip, like a hip. It was like a hip flexor tightness slash impingement issue. And then after that got better, I got my knee issues, mm. which happened recently. So
0: yeah, dude, the knees are just like, I got to start BPCing them every day and I get, I'm sponsored by Amino Asylum, so I get free BPC and TB. It's just sometimes I forget. But really, <laughs> if I wanted to be locked, like fully on point, I would BPC my knees every night. That is definitely the way to go. How would you do it to your knees?
1: You just squeeze the skin. Like you, you have to squeeze a like, lot, like in, like, like subcutaneously yeah. on uh-huh. top of the. I knee? I would gear? like
0: rest my leg on the table. I don't want to hit it because it'll, you know, make noise. But There's I would get my leg relaxed. So that as much skin up here was like bunched up as I could. And then I'd bunch it up even more like this. And then I'd pin
1: into that. There's some fat there. Damn. Yeah. I didn't think that doing it like locally, subcutaneously would work locally though. Apparently it doesn't
0: have to be local. There have been people that have said that it doesn't matter if it's subcutaneous. It just goes throughout your body and it'll find the injury spot. And that might be true, but... Just to be safe, I always go over okay. the injury. Because there are some people that have said, well, anecdotally, I've noticed that it heals way better.
1: That might just be placebo, but... Right. You know. Honestly, it's, placebo it's is, like, probably more often than not, anyways, like, a big effect of most yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. So, if you believe it's working, it's probably working better than... And, and I do know that with, like, testosterone cream,
0: um, the location you apply it matters. Mm-hmm. So... And that's, you know, that's absorbed through, the, through your skin. You know, it you doesn't get, matter a huge amount, but it does have a certain localized effect.
1: You can make your dick bigger with a testosterone cream.
0: DHT cream. Oh, DHT cream, my bad. That's yeah, what I've heard. Cream. That's what I've heard. <laughs> I was into that penis enlargement stuff for a while, a yeah. long time. Yeah. I actually had a certain company, they want to sponsor me, even though I don't, I don't do it anymore. But like, I still know about it. And, you know, I'd still do a fucking integrated ad for them. Um, they got some new product coming out. Apparently that they want me to that would be crazy, try bro. to run
1: an ad. How would you do an ad for them?
0: That's crazy. It's literally just middle of a video. I mean, it, it honestly would be pretty easy for me to do an ad for a company like that because I've already talked about it a lot on Modcast. Mm-hmm. So I could literally just say like, Hey, you guys know me. I'm the, I'm the dick guy.
2: <laughs> here's, here's
0: a fucking dick company. So, uh, yeah, I did. And that stuff does work. I never got DHT cream though. I don't even know how to get DHT cream, like pure DHT cream. Cause they, there's testosterone cream, but DHT cream is like, and also sleeping next to Gianna, you know, I sleep naked. So I'd have to get some really thick underwear. Cause if I, oh yeah, you're yeah. supposed to like, you know, use a pump or a stretcher. And then <laughs> after you're done, you rub the DHT cream on there. But I wouldn't want my fucking hog like touching her butt or something and getting some DHT <laughs> on there and she grows a mustache.
2: <laughs> oh, shit. That'd
0: be you wild. know, that would actually be bad because DHT is super virilizing. Yeah. Super virilizing. Like it way worse than test. She, she'd she grow a fucking beard, <laughs> dude. <laughs> that'd
2: be so crazy, bro. <laughs> she oh, wakes shit. up
1: with some new fucking hair sprouting. Ooh. What happened, babe? What happened? <laughs> There was a guy that I met that was like telling me that he uh, he was super into all those things, and he was telling me like none of the things like the pills, aside from like the DHT cream, like no, there's no pills that you can take that make your dick bigger. Yeah, the that pumps don't work because they're all temporary. Um, but
0: that's not true necessarily. But we we can get into it. I don't fucking care. I've already talked about it a million times. Yeah.
1: Well, he basically said that um he did though do the exercises for a long time, and he actually even I think at one point created like a like a workout program that he like. <laughs> Sent the people, but essentially, <laughs> he literally did the dick exercises though to actually like stretch, stretch the fashion, the limit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he also tried doing like the girth exercises where you like try to squeeze it back down. <laughs> well, I've great. never heard of that, bro. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Apparently, apparently it doesn't work as well as the <laughs> stretching, but it's still possible. I can't <laughs>
0: Let me make my dick bigger by just jamming yeah. it into my body, bro. No, I I think the pump, the hydro pump, does work, but the amount of time. The reason I stopped. Um, is because the amount of time you have to put into it, like, obviously there's going to be a temporary pump, but for there to be permanent, like tissue gain, you got to do it like every other day for about 30 minutes. And it's not the most comfortable thing in the world. That's a long time, 30 minutes. Yeah. And you have to put your dick in basically a fucking vacuum. (laughs) You know, it's, it's not, it's not the most comfortable thing in the world. And sometimes it comes out looking like it just went through a fucking you know, five rounds in the octagon, so it's like, no. <laughs> and it, it's kind of sometimes it's messed up the next day too. It'll have some uh, fluid build up. Oh shit! Yeah. So, and um, but then there's another thing that's like a stretcher, and you just put it on, and then you don't have to sit there like stretching your dick. You can just put it on and put pants on over it. It's a pretty cool device. It's pretty expensive, but that thing definitely works. Um, I just kind of got sick of, sick of it. I don't know, reached a certain point where it's like I made some gains and and I was I was happy with it. And I'm like, I'm kind of tired of doing this. I'm not going to lie. Oh, shit. I need to get on that initial gains train. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fucking, he I wouldn't
0: me. I wouldn't discourage anyone from doing it, though, just because I don't do it anymore. I think like part of the reason that I don't care about it's easy to say like, Oh, dick size, you don't have to worry about it. doesn't matter. But I think part of that is because I made some gains and then I didn't care about it anymore, you know? But if you're insecure about your size, do something about it. In my opinion, don't just practice like self-acceptance. Cause that in my experience, that doesn't really work. I'm one of those people where like, I need to do something about it. And once I do, I feel better, you know? So (laughs) <laughs> Don't yeah. a self-acceptance. Uh,
2: <laughs> Sorry.
0: That's, That's like the opposite true. of what
1: like a good message is. But. That's all right. I mean, um, you know, most of my audience is men anyways. It's true. Same. There's, this, there's Especially
0: on on YouTube. It's like 97% men on YouTube, though. it's
1: crazy. <laughs> Instagram's a little better, but. Mm-hmm this guy told me that he uh, started off with like a five and a half inch dick and he did the exercises for like, and he started when he was 16. So he did it for like 10 years or plus or something. And he ended up getting to a nine inch dick. He
0: grew three three and a half. Uh, Yeah. I don't know about that. I, that's, I mean, in theory it's possible, but okay. Here, if, if anyone ever tells you that like none of these exercises work, Look at people who get gauges in their ears. No, exactly. And then look at what happens to their earlobes when they take their big ass gauges out. You start with the little gauge and then you move up and up and up and up. And then these people take their big ass gauges out and they've got a gigantic fucking schlong earlobe that hangs down the the same because your tissue expands. It's not just going to rip, you know, it has to adapt. So if you do the same thing, dick version, uh, it's a little more complicated than gauges and it's maybe a little more uncomfortable, but like, once you get the rhythm of it down, you get the routine down, and you're really committed to doing it, the same thing's gonna happen to your dick. So I don't really know. I didn't gain what's that, like three and a half inches, <laughs> but I gained like a little under an inch. Like about 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7. But I don't know how I think it's permanent. I haven't measured it recently, but my dick doesn't look any smaller. So <laughs> I, I I think it's permanent. Let's you know? Go. Or at the very least. It's It lasts for like a year and then you can do a little
1: re-up routine for like a month and, you know, kind of maintain yep. it. <laughs> he uh he said anyways now that his, uh, his girlfriend was like please just stop like <laughs>
2: it's
0: fucking, he got this like deformed looking dick it's
1: it's supposed to be
0: five inches long and you just force it to be like a fucking horse dick <laughs> please stop it's fucking ramming my cervix he was like no
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, i'm doing this for me babe i don't care about your pleasure anymore that's like bodybuilding for real
1: no the girl will bro. be
0: like hey you're big enough please stop no I, we're past that point
1: i'm doing it for me now yeah it's the same thing i think he was saying his girth was kind of being a little sacrificed from it though oh really i think so just a little bit and he said his girth was always the biggest issue anyways so it's like like a pencil dig? yeah after a certain point if you just have a long-ass pencil dig you're just fucking stabbing her cervix
0: yeah true that's that's no good women don't like yeah no i would say thickness probably is more important Uh, to a certain level but you don't want to have a chode either (laughs) yeah i i don't know i've it makes sense. You stretch out a rubber band, the rubber band gets thinner. Yeah. But I never noticed that. I, I, I've never noticed that the girth changed at all. Maybe that's part of like why a pump can be maybe a little bit beneficial because when you're... I was doing both. Maybe okay. that is why. Yeah. But also it could be that he started off with a five incher. So he was looking at the ratio of length to girth. And then if the girth didn't change, but his dick got way longer, maybe it just appeared thinner. Hmm, you know, because the proportion. It's like, oh, it's thin now, but maybe. it was just the same. Maybe Who I should knows. ask him.
1: I'll ask him if he's been measuring his Just circumference. Just hit him up.
0: He's like, what the fuck? Why are you asking me this?
1: <laughs> uh, oh, shit. Okay. A um, little backtrack, but uh, do you take anything else to um help with your recovery? Because you said you you have BBC and TB, but you don't normally take it regularly. I do when I have a pain or an injury. Um.
0: I don't know about taking it on a daily basis. I know I said that about my knees, but... in theory i don't think this has ever been studied i'm pretty sure it has never been studied but the theory is that it helps cell proliferation so if you do have cancer if you have a tumor it's going to help those cells proliferate too so taking it daily just as like a preventative i don't know if i would do that i would probably only run it for like a week or two when you have an injury what are you talking about bbc and cb tb 500 um and then for my surgery, so I used to run about two, I use of growth. And then for my surgery, I went up to like eight a day. Oh, whoa. was a good amount. And I wasn't really even training. I wasn't training at all for like five weeks. And I was still running a ton of growth because um, it heals fast, you know, it heals tissue faster. But you got to take a good amount of growth to notice that effect. Mm-hmm. And now I don't take growth at all. Because I'm just, I'm bulking. I take mass gainer. I'm dirty bulking because that works for me, um, and I figure my insulin's probably already a little fucked up, and I don't want to take anything that could really mess with it too much. So I just figure it's best to stay off growth for now, and I'll I'll incorporate it back when I'm on prep. Do you measure your blood glucose in the morning? No, I should do that. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> have should you do that. have you ever? No, when I got uh, when I got blood work done, my um, it's like H one C. Which is a kind of measure of your average blood glucose in the last five weeks was normal. it was high normal, but it was normal, so and I was bulking then um, but no, I don't do the little stabby thing. I actually hate needles, which is a funny issue to have as a bodybuilder. I really hate needles. do you still hate needles yes, and I, and funnily enough, I hate finger pricks like even worse
2: <laughs> <laughs> when
0: I have to go it's just a really uncomfortable spot to get poked I don't know did it probably sound like such a pussy to those people (laughs) watching but like especially to people who are diabetic they're like dude shut up but when I go and like they take they take blood from here like that's what I grab stuff with you know so every time for the next day every time I grab something I'm like oh but pinning my glutes I don't even really care that much about anymore but it still kind of makes my heart get up there a little
1: bit holy shit yeah you're on everybody. The, um, Terminator arm wrestler, powerlifter guy doesn't <laughs> like needles. yeah, dude. When I had to switch, I remember
0: I was getting too lean on, on prep to do the insulin needles anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it was just lumping. It, it just wasn't good. And also I was doing more gear cause I was on prep. So I needed to switch over to actual like 25 gauge, one inch one inchers. Mm-hmm. And it was, I had to like fucking meditate before i did it (laughs) i was scared but once i did it it like i got used to it but i don't know i i just hate pinning for some reason
1: it's kind of crazy um because i actually used to have the biggest fear of needles like the biggest like there was one time where i had to get like a um i got really sick with something so i had to get a shot at my glute can i just say something real quick
0: because it just occurred to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is fucked This is fucked how much of a pussy I am, but I am not. Let me just say, first and foremost, I don't care for benzos at all. I don't like Xanax. I've had opportunities to take it. I never really take it. I got a fucking prescription for benzos so that I can get blood work done so that I can take Xanax before I go get my blood drawn because I wasn't I wasn't getting blood work anymore because I would get the complete panel where they need to take like 12 vials of blood. Mm-hmm. And I would sit there like 12 vials <gasps> for your complete panel. It, yeah. It's, it's like $850. It's a huge thing. They measure like everything. It, maybe it's 10. It's a lot of vials. Yeah, maybe it just vials, seems so. like 10. Maybe it's two. <laughs> but I think it's 10, but I would sit there like heavy breathing and I fucking hated it. And my, even my girlfriend is like, dude, you have to get blood work done. And I'm like, no, I need to, I need a Xanax. Like I never <laughs> asked for that. I, that's a sentence that never comes out of my mouth. But for this, I need a Xanax. So yeah, I got like a one-time no refills thing and, uh, 15 pills and now I can get 15 blood works done. Nice. I'll just take a Xanax before each time. <laughs> nice,
1: But anyway, go on with what you were saying. Dude, I mean, well, some people just have that dude. Sometimes like sometimes it just fucking irks you. Sometimes it doesn't like everyone has a different fear. You know what I mean? So some imagine people... how bad having to get surgery was for me.
0: Oh Jesus, dude. I, I was, when they told me yeah, you tore this. You're going to need surgery. We're going to need to drill into your bone. My my heart just fucking dropped. Oh, and I man. did I did need to get... That's the only other time I've gotten a prescription. I got clonopin prescribed from a doctor for the week leading up to surgery. I was just drugged out. That whole week, I was like, uh, surgery this week.
1: Uh. <laughs> and
0: then, dude, the morning of, I kind of saved up. And I just took like fucking five or six. And I walked into that hospital without a care. (laughs) I fucking, dude, I remember I was with my dad and my girlfriend, Gianna, and I walked into the fucking glass and I backed (laughs) up and opened the door. And dude, I was like posting on Instagram like a fucking idiot, like, hey guys. And then she, the nurse lady came in. It's really like shaky memories from that day, but the nurse came in. And I'm like, what are you giving me? And she's like, you're going to feel a little pinch. And she gave me one of those big 18 gauge, you know, IVs. Yeah. And I, I remember like hardly even feeling it. I'm like, oh, she's like, I'm giving you more Klonopin. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm already
1: on Klonopin. Oh, and
0: shit. then, and then I remember they started, this is my last memory. They started wheeling me out. And Gianna said, I love you, James. And I said, Mm. (laughs) and that's the last memory i had and actually the very last memory i have is thinking wow i can't form words right now i'm gone and then (laughs) it was lights out i don't remember going into the operating room i don't remember anything after that yeah that's funny as hell. I woke up like having to pee out of the after the catheter comes out, uh-huh. and I was like, like moaning in pain because it hurts so bad to pee into this little pan they gave me. Uh-huh. Have you ever had to pee after a catheter, dude? Oh, it's awful. They cause I don't I don't know what it is. They have to slide this thing up your dick hole, and once they Ugh. take it out, it's all like dry and like kind of raw. Oh man, it fucking hurt for days uh-huh. after that. Yeah, it was bad. And even on all the hydro, whatever they gave me, it still hurt to pee. And then I didn't poop for six
1: days because of the anesthesia. Have you ever had surgery? I've had surgeries, but um, I haven't had to, I haven't had issues where I haven't had to poop for six days. You, have you been it's put crazy. under like general? Yeah. So one of the things,
0: I don't know if it was because of the benzos they had me on or mm. the pain pills they had me on codeine after the surgery for pain. And also it's the anesthesia can do it. But um, I didn't really realize because I was sleeping. I was on muscle relaxers, codeine for like days after. Oh. And then around the day five or six mark, I'm like, when is the last time I took a shit? And then I realized like, I don't need to poop, but I probably do need to poop. And then day six, I kind of felt it happen. And I went on the toilet and I sat there for about 45 minutes and I actually had to go to the ER This was less than a year ago. This was like eight, nine months ago. I had to go to the ER. Oh, it was about 3 a.m. It was, dude, this, it was awful. They had to put a tube up my ass and put a bunch of water in there, like with saline to loosen it up. And let me tell you, when it kicked in, a whole week worth of shit came out, bro. God, dude. It was like I was giving
1: birth. That's crazy, dude.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it really tore me up. Like I, I bled... A lot.
1: Oh, that's insane. Yeah,
0: it was. Awful. It was really awful. So, lesson learned. Next time, if I ever have to get surgery again, I'm going to take laxatives every day. Yeah. For anyone listening, to get surgery, take laxatives every single day. Every <laughs> single.
1: For real. I mean, I mean, you don't think it was like the the oxy's and the shit that you were on afterwards, because that that does. Yeah, I think, and
2: slow
0: I think it was. I think it was muscle relaxers
1: and the codeine and the anesthesia. Yeah.
0: All that. I'm just saying, if you got to take any of that stuff. Just take laxatives. It's better to have diarrhea every day than to have to go to the ER yeah. with a, you know, wine bottle sized shit just clogged
1: up in there. I'm honestly surprised they didn't give you a prescription laxative to take with those. I am too. That
0: they just, crazy. They, I think they just mentioned, you know, constipation might be a side effect. I don't think anyone there put two and two together and said, wait, we're giving him this thing that can slow his poop and this thing and this thing. Like, this guy's not going to be able to shit. <laughs> I don't think anyone did the math on that
1: yeah we'll get right back to the podcast in a second but i just wanted to take this break to thank you guys immensely because this podcast is my favorite content to create and i couldn't have done it without you guys Contributing to it will further help its growth and allow us to listen to more amazing guests such as the one you're listening to today. So if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating us a five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you find your podcast, or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And if you would like to help fund the podcast, you can do so by using Nile for a discount off of Young LA Clothing or Huge Supplements. Thank you guys again so much. We'll be right back to the podcast. So you're about to break your streak right now. Your trend line,
0: <laughs> my trend line, yeah, dude. It's gonna hit May, and she's out the door. <laughs> good old, oh, the, wait, I forgot. I'm not using
1: these. Good old Leonardo style. <laughs> How do you even do that, man? I hope, I hope to God, I'm not like that when I'm fucking forty, fifty years old, and not what dating young girls and shit. Like fucking, like, like I don't know, like fucking, like. You're talking about Leonardo in Di- them, I guess. DiCaprio? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, dude, people
0: thought it was weird when me and Gianna started dating. And I was like 22 and she was 19. I'm like, That's since not when weird is that all. weird?
1: What? That's not weird at all. Yeah.
0: But again, it's what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, where it's like the voices of the few. And you kind of focus on those. Mm, yeah. So it's like most people didn't think it was weird, probably. But you focus on those people that do. Okay. So. And now that she's 20, all of a sudden, it's fine. <laughs> it's like, even though I'm 24 and she's 20 is that now it's totally fine because <laughs>
1: we're both in our 20s well i've dated people that are like almost 10 years older than me and i've dated someone now that's i've never wanted to date young chicks but recently i did i saw someone that was like a maybe seven years younger than me or something and it was the weirdest was it weird it was weird for me because i could just feel it you know you could feel the difference i could just feel like this person's way too young
0: yeah you're how old
1: it's a secret your see, it's secret. It's a secret. Okay. I don't tell the, I don't tell online, or I don't talk about it publicly because they have it wrong. When you search my name on Google, it's just it's wrong. So okay. I just leave it as is. <laughs> <laughs> so no one knows. Yeah. So nobody knows. I just like letting it, let it sit. Well, there. the thing is, when you're in your twenties, like if
0: you're in your early or mid twenties, a seven year age gap is a pretty big percentage of your life. But if you're 50 a seven-year age gap is a very small percentage of your life yeah so you're proportionally very similar in age if you're older Mm -hmm. you know so that's why like older people when they have big age gaps like my parents have a 15 or 16 year age gap but i don't think it's weird because my dad is like 75 about to be 76 and my mom's 60 so it's like they're both older Mm -hmm. you know yeah at my age should be kind of
2: fucking
0: seven-year-old.
1: Oh shit. Uh, I think the, the weird thing though, is, uh, you just, you can't wait, you know, you can't wait for it to be right. You know, it's like, it's ready or it's not, you know, it's the time or it's not.
0: Yeah. That's what I say about seven-year-old <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit!
1: Wait <laughs> for my podcast to be canceled. <laughs> Fuck. Um, do you feel like uh do you feel like your path in like YouTube content creation and bodybuilding has ever affected your love life in any way?
2: Uh
0: no, not really. I wouldn't say so.
1: I mean, it depends what you mean by it. De- like how would it affect it? Just like in I'm wondering if you've ever felt like any difference in how it's affected So, for me personally, I felt like it never really made much of a difference, but if I really go back and just analyze how my life has moved since doing this you know creating my own content doing bodybuilding all these things i think one of the biggest factors is the fact that being on social media has allowed me to connect with so many more people Mm -hmm. and so in doing so i think my pull has been a lot larger and thus also my options and like the standards of my options have been better yeah and then adding on top of that the obvious I have a higher ability to provide now and like, I guess quote unquote a higher status level or whatever.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's true for any, you could be a CEO with no following and that would still be true. You know, you could be the CEO of like a Fortune 500 company and your ability to provide would go up. So I don't think that's like exclusive to social media. Definitely not. Right. But in terms of the pull and having a bigger pool to choose from, um, obviously, yeah, that's true. But what's funny is Gianna and I met not through social media at all. We met because she went to the same gym as me. So I, yeah, I always think that, you know, even though I probably have 20,000 girls that follow me just based on like percent, like percentage following. 20,000 more than me. (laughs) (laughs) What's your percentage? Zero. No, on on Instagram, what's your percentage? (laughs) Like actually. Uh, Actually is probably like. It's probably better than mine. I think mine's seven or something, six. I feel like mine's five, seven. dude. It's yeah. I mean, that's just how it goes for every guy. <laughs> it's just guys love following other jacked guys. You
1: know? <laughs> it's just the way it is. But um, I'm gonna be transparent for a second. I had a fucking full on page of just explore feed of jacked dudes, and then I started just liking all these girls' photos
0: <laughs> just to get rid of I it. I needed out of some diversity. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I needed diversity.
0: Uh, but I mean it's just funny that like with 20,000 I guess options even though you know not all of them follow me because they're like attracted to me Mm -hmm. it's actually probably a pretty small percentage most of them I think most girls that follow like a jacked bodybuilder that's a guy are doing it because they just like the gym motivation I think it's more often than not I think some guys would like to think oh yeah all these chicks are you know I got this huge female following it's like they probably just like you because you're super like motivating, but let's assume that I have like a pool of 20,000. I don't think it's a coincidence that the girl I ended up with was not from social media. Mm. I think it's a feature because even though, yeah, maybe your pool is much larger, chances are most of them aren't close to you. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that in-person connection that's just different, you know? When you get to know someone in person, you see someone online, it's like you don't know what they're like. You don't know their personality. You see them in person and talk to them, you can weed them out very quickly or realize they're a very good person very quickly. Um, and it's a little easier to conceal when it's social media. You know, there's mm-hmm. plenty of people you talk to on social media and then you meet them in person, and it's like, oh, you're a high-functioning sociopath. Didn't know that until <laughs> yeah. now,
1: you know? Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people or some people can actually get the wrong idea of. Every single person that I've ever dated, I think in maybe like the last five years or however long I've done content has not been on social media. They haven't been from social media. I don't think any of them knew me even from social media before they met me. So... That's um, dope. Yeah. I think um, that's cool. And I almost feel like being on social media has almost made it a little bit more difficult to when I was in the relationship
0: because you felt like you had a lot of options or something or
1: like, I think it's because it's, it's kind of hard to explain this, you know, that feeling where some people who like aren't in social media, like don't want someone that's in social media or sometimes some people that are, are a content creator, they don't want a spouse or a partner. That is a content creator.
0: that is, That is a content that creator. Isn't, that isn't. Oh, that isn't. Okay. Yeah.
1: Like some of them, like they're like, they have enough content creation, they have enough like social media people in the space or whatever engagement in the space they just want to be with someone who doesn't do any of that shit. Who's yeah just, like, yeah peaceful. yeah
0: i get what, that's that's what i thought you meant yeah mm-hmm. i i would say so i would say that i've seen that before and like with Gianna and i it's kind of weird because i met her when she wasn't on social media and then we went to alpha land where like almost everyone's making content mm-hmm. And a lot of people were encouraging her to make content and she started to really fall in love with fitness. So she started making content after we started dating. And we kind of had... I wouldn't say that was a silent agreement, but a somewhat silent agreement that I wasn't going to like give her a following. If she was naturally my content in a YouTube video, I'm not going to not post it. But I wasn't going to like, hey, everyone go follow my girlfriend. She just made a fucking Instagram. I wasn't going to do that. So... Because of that, you can check in the analytics, like common followers, and the percentage is not actually that high. I think it's like 50. So only 50% of people that follow me also, or 50% of her followers also follow me. Mm -hmm. So a good chunk of her followers basically don't even know who I am, which is good. I like that. I don't want to just like hand a following over, you know? I'm curious how, like what, what
1: can you elaborate more on how it like affected your relationships? um, I think it caused kind of like a chaotic mindset for me. Uh, social media hasn't always been the easiest place psychologically. And I feel like, um, especially in my last relationship, like the four year one, I was so absorbed with content creation, feeling like if I didn't post every week, I was going to lose it all that I ended up not taking her out on the dates that she wanted to not spending like quality time that I should have. I ended up doing a lot of things that another guy was ended, ended up being able to do for her instead. Mm. So, um, I mean, honestly it taught me a, a super valuable lesson. Cause this is the, a big reason why a lot of um, couples get divorced later in life. Uh, when it comes from, when it's like this kind of situation where like the guy is like, you know, so absorbed with his work and he doesn't spend very much family time or doesn't like give his, yeah, it's like a stereotype for yeah It's a stereotype. Yeah. That was my stereotype and I fucking did it. So,
0: yeah. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to notice, you know, you tell yourself, Oh, I'd never be like this person or that person. And then all of a sudden you are like that person and it's like, sometimes you realize it and you just can't stop it. You know, I feel like if I was in that position, I might realize, damn, I'm not taking her out enough, but it's almost like, well, I can't stop. I'm, I'm on this fucking momentum train and I just got to keep going. And it's not until something like you break up or whatever that you look back and think, fuck, I, I became that guy, the stereotype, you know? So yeah, it's, it's important. You gotta, there's certain like things you have to do. And that is something that's happened with me too. And it's something, luckily, Gianna voices to me and says, you know, you're physically affectionate and I know you care about me, but like, I want flowers and I want dates and you got to make that happen. So it's good that she tells me because sometimes I need like a fucking slap in the head. (laughs) We
1: all do, bro. Yeah. All the boys do. Yeah. So... I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure you guys, it sounds to me like you guys have a a really amazing relationship and um, everything right now, but have you ever felt like maybe in any of your past relationships that the other partner may have felt a little bit more insecure about maybe the attention that you were getting from social media or the potential options that you might have having a platform like that? I mean, I think
0: naturally there's certain things that you could probably guess, like you're making all this money and you're getting all these followers and I'm not. And I think that's just natural. Um, so I'll go through it. Like my first relationship, first long-term relationship, I wasn't really on social media. Like I, I had a very small following, a thousand or 2000, whatever. Um, so it never really made a difference. It was just kind of like, oh, he's got his little fitness page, whatever. And then my second relationship I really kind of blew up during that time. And uh, honestly, no, she was very supportive. She didn't, you know, she was happy for me. I don't remember her ever being kind of like jealous or maybe, you know, naturally slightly envious. Cause it's like, you see your partner, that's how I would be. I don't know if she was like that. I don't think she was like that, but that's how I would be. If, If I was dating you know, if I started dating a girl and all of a sudden she blew up to millions of followers and started making all this money, um, not that I have millions of followers, but if she blew up and started making all this money, I'd be like, well, fuck, you know, who am I? Who am I in this relationship? Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not providing. I'm not doing shit. Um, but we've always, you know, been able to talk through it. Like with Gianna, she hasn't been envious of me. She's more so been upset that I have to like pay for a lot of stuff. Like I cover rent, obviously, and I cover some of her food. She covers a lot of her food though, but just little stuff like that. It really weighs on her that like, she doesn't want to be dependent on me financially, even though I'm, I'm cool with it. (laughs) Um, but that's not like a relationship ending thing. It's just something that comes up. And she gets sad about it and then we talk about it and, you know, our deal is like she can pay me in other ways. If I pay the rent, she keeps the house clean, does my laundry, cleans the counters because that's stuff I'm not good at. Mm-hmm. And she's really good at it. She can fucking clean up. It. it would take me like 30 minutes to clean the kitchen and she can do it in three minutes, you know. So that's our that's our deal. And it's never really been like a relationship ending kind of thing. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool to hear. If, if she, I mean, if she constantly complained about it, then it would be like, you know, that would probably be pretty fucking annoying, (laughs) but she doesn't.
1: So yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about steroids. Okay. Uh, How did you feel between the, uh, you took zero IUs of GH and then you took like eight IUs of GH, right? For like your recovery. Did you actually feel or notice differences?
0: Well, with healing stuff like BPC or GH or any TB, it's kind of hard to notice or it's, you know, it's, it's hard to measure because it doesn't have an acute effect. If you take Cialis, for example, you know whether it's bunk or not, whether or not you get a hard dick. Yeah. Or if you take Milano tan, which is another peptide I've taken, there's acute effects. You get nauseous, you get a flush face. You know if it's real right away. Mm-hmm. And you know if it's working. Like you get a tan or you don't. But with BPC and TB500, it's like, how much does it help if you pin BPC and TV for two weeks on, let's say my knee and my knee feels better after two weeks, there's no, I don't have a control to compare it to. There's no way to know how long it would have taken if I hadn't taken those peptides Yep. besides getting the exact same injury and then not taking the peptides and measuring the amount of time, yep. you know, that's, that's the only way. So it's hard to tell. I just kind of pin them and hope for the best. <laughs> uh, I mean, my surgery recovery has gone well. So I assume like Everything is yeah, I assume the GH helped there. I was doing BPC and TB as well onto the incision or right next to the incision. And, you know, did it help by ten percent? Twenty, thirty, forty? There's no way for me to tell. Mm-hmm. But if there's any kind of measurable difference, then it's worth it for me to do it. That's
1: all so. we do with all of the PEDs. We just pin it and hope it hope it, hope it works. It yeah. <laughs> but I'm wondering, like, have you did you feel like, did you notice any side effect difference between the, uh, you know, zero to eight, I use of GH GH specifically,
0: honestly, no, if I did it now, I would probably notice like it got way more watery and, um, maybe get like kind of carpal tunnel cause mm-hmm. you're, you get retained so much water, mm-hmm. but I was small and depleted back then. Um, because I hadn't been training and I was recovering from surgery, so even if I did retain some water, I was still flat comparatively to like where I am now. Mm-hmm. So no, I didn't really notice any bad side effects. I don't think you should take eight IU's of GH nonstop. <laughs> I think that's probably pretty bad. But you know, I did it for a month, about a month, and then I lowered it back down to like three, and then I came off it completely.
1: Nice. Yeah, I take BBC right now. I take BBC. And Tessa Merellin, Eber you mm-hmm. know those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have taken two IU's of GH every day for a few months. Um, I switched to Tessa recently, just for the sake of it, and also so I'm not taking GH all the time because mm-hmm. this is my first time taking GH. But I know for a fact that like I'm not gonna, I wanna, I wanna cycle it. I don't want to like be on, on it at all, the time. all times yeah. for multiple years, and. Um, I've also, I've also experimented with IGF-1 recently.
0: I've never experimented with IGF-1, but I've heard good things about it. Have you noticed anything from it?
1: So I noticed some nutty pumps. I've never taken any more, anything more than 25 micrograms. And I know there's somebody built some bodybuilders that do from 50 up to a hundred, which is, I I think a it's lot a pretty, yeah, I think it's a fucking mm-hmm. lot, but I got some nutty fucking pumps and like the idea of it local, being localized so I can like inject it right into the muscle that I want to work is like oh, very pleasing. Though. I didn't know that's how it works. Yeah, well, igf one des is more localized, I guess anecdotal, maybe is, I don't know if it's anecdotally, but um, essentially, yeah, IGF-1, you can basically localize, inject, and so... A lot of people will inject it on the days they need to prioritize. Like, so if your legs are lacking, which oh, might not. you are, inject
0: it right in the legs? I do it in the legs. It's like growth
1: juice. Yeah. It's crazy. And because it's, you know, insulin-like, you just eat a fuck ton of, ton of carbs around it. and Huh. Ah. Where'd you get
0: that from? Uh, if you yeah. can
1: reveal it. From, um...
0: Do they have uh, it on a, on a meal?
1: Uh, oh, Transcend? Transcend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Transcend has a lot of goodies. <laughs> <laughs> they got all they that They got shit. a lot of goodies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... They, they do work with like, you know, Phil Heath and, and uh, fucking Thor Bjornsson, so yeah I would hope that they have some good goodies. Yeah. And it's all pharma grade. Have you ever taken C-Max?
0: S-E-M-A-X? I remember researching that. I don't even remember what it is. like some kind of nootropic. Like it fucking, I don't know. It's like a cognitive enhancer, but I've heard that it's noticeable. Hmm. Yeah. I kind of am curious about trying it. And I think it's a, you sniff it. Like it's one of those aerosolized sniff things. I could be wrong, but I'm curious about trying it. Dude, some of this stuff, (laughs) like we make ourselves lab rats with in like 30 years, it's going to be like, if you were a loved one has had your penis fall off because of CMAX usage, (laughs) contact this number. Like we have no idea what some of this stuff's going to do. Oh shit. That's why like... I don't know. I try to chill out with the biohacking stuff a little bit because a lot of the stuff in the biohacking community is not super well researched. It's just like there's maybe a study or two that shows positive, a positive correlation for this or that. But it's like, well, what about what are the long term side effects? You know, it's something I've kind of considered more as time has gone on even with things that i consider to be safe like bpc milanotan milanotan's kind of iffy cuz it is a weird milanotan is one of those things where you take it and it's like what is this drug actually because it's an aphrodisiac so it makes you horny that's so weird yeah and it may and it gives you crazy nausea for like an hour or
1: two and people just use it for tanning
0: yeah and also it like flushes your face it makes your face get all red And it makes you tan as shit. Hmm. So it's like all (laughs) these things are kind of um, Discoordinated. They have no relation to each other. So what else is it doing in my body that I just have no idea about? I don't know. That's why I'm kind of like a little just a little more reserved (laughs) on dosages and whatnot as time goes on.
1: I'm the same way, dude. I'm the same way, which is why I'm always shy that everyone thinks everybody has done so many crazy things. I'm like... You don't think some people are kind of scared, you know? You don't think some people are kind of a little, like, more concerned about that?
0: Yeah, dude. Like, I was watching this thing. Um, Rus- Ryan Russo made a video on injectable YK11. And I was watching it, and I was like, oh, myostatin inhibition. This is, like, a new thing. And I, I was, like, genuinely considering it. And then I I kind of looked into it a little bit, and I realized, like, there is not that much long-term data on this shit. Mm-hmm. Like... I'm not saying gear is, you know, other gear is healthy, but maybe I should like chill on even considering this stuff. You know, just stick with the basics. Test, test DQ,
1: DECA, you know. I was offered that actually like several months ago, but. What, the YK-11? Yeah. I'm still so curious, bro. Right? I mean, fucking myostatin,
0: dude. Derek posted this blog and it showed like they gave it to rats and then they skinned, they killed the rats and skinned them. And the ones that got the YK-11 were like Phil Heath rats. I mean, they <laughs> had the, the biggest muscles you've ever seen, dude. Holy shit. So, and I think it's one of the only drugs out there that has been shown to inhibit myostatin.
1: Do you think, uh, do you think Nexilla has a myostatin uh, deficiency? deficiency?
0: I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I think a lot of the top open guys probably have some sort of myostatin deficiency. Myostatin deficiency doesn't mean that you don't have the gene for myostatin. It just means you produce less than the average person. Mm-hmm. And I think if you got to get if if you're going to get to that level, you got to probably have less myostatin than the average person by a good margin. Your your body just does not want to hold on to that. I look at Derek Lunsford and I'm in awe, but I'm also like your body is not supposed to hold on to that much muscle. Like it's just not supposed to. It, even with And this was a big kind of red pill for me was getting on gear and really pushing in the gym and pushing the food and taking, you know, a conservative, but still moderate amount of gear and, and realizing like, even with all those things in check, I am light years behind Derek Lunsford or someone like that, you know? So it's not, you can't just say, Oh, it's just more steroids. I could take 10 grams of gear and I wouldn't look like Derek Lunsford. You know, it's just, I'm not discounting his hard work or people like that. I know they work hard as shit and they live and breathe bodybuilding, but there's got to be a myostatin deficiency in there somewhere. Like they, they look like those trend cows, you know, (laughs) or the, the like Belgian blue cows or something. The ones that don't have the myostatin gene. You ever seen one of those things, dude? Yeah, bro. I mean, that's what they look like. (laughs) Yeah, they do. It's fucking crazy. You seen Phil Heath? as a basketball player back in like high school or whatever, he was still jacked as
1: fuck. Huh? He was still jacked as
0: fuck. Yeah. And dude, that's with like, you know, whatever workouts basketball players do, he wasn't super into bodybuilding at that point, but there's just a clear difference between him and the other people on the team. Yeah. Huge legs, huge calves, good arms delts. It's like no other basketball players looking like that. So yeah, genetics play a huge role, but Genetics don't play the only role. And I think that's something people get hung up on is like, well, I just don't have the genetics to be big. Look at people like Nick Walker, you know, Mm -hmm. Nick was pretty, you know, pretty average before he took gear and he happened to be a hyper responder to gear. And then there's other people that they're, they look kind of average before they start lifting and then they start lifting and it turns out they have a really good response to weightlifting even as a natty.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So, Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I was actually talking with Greg Duset about um Nick Walker and Greg purely believes that Nick has like amazing genes for anabolic response. Mm. And that's oh, why yeah. he was just so, you know, skinny yeah. back then. Which I mean would make a lot of sense, right? Versus all the other people in the hate comments that are just like Nick just took ten grams of gear. And I think I think Jay Cutler was saying that he
0: in the offseason he ran like 500 tests, 400 EQ or something like that, which is almost a gram a week and maybe some growth hormone on top of it. I think he did say growth on top of it, which is a pretty mild stack for an open guy. For an open guy. But honestly, I believe it, dude. Like these open guys, gear is more gear is not the fucking answer. They Mm -hmm. just are different humans.
1: I think a big part of the answer that like we just, we don't talk about enough is I, w- I would believe that if it was like 10 years, five to 10 years of an off season in total time, plus the amount of GH was like maybe like eight to 16 IU's use or something. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the amount of food he's eating is what? Like 3000 to 6000 calories. Oh, he was eating a lot in the off season. A lot. Yeah.
0: There's and a video, there's a picture of Jay
1: hunched over like this, looking like a gremlin with like this yeah, big I saw gun. It.
0: Yeah, he went hard in the offseason.
1: And he did do that, right? Yeah, he did yeah. do that for that many years, ate that much food, took that, probably took that much GH. So it makes sense. But I think he said the highest he went up to was either nine or 12 IUs, which is a good,
0: that's, that's a good amount of growth. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like if all that stuff is checked off, but did he post a picture today or yesterday or something where it was him at 22. And I'm like, fuck my whole bodybuilding career, bro. I
2: could, like,
0: <laughs> I could have started at the age of 10 and I could have hopped on juice at fucking 13 and I wouldn't be that big at 22. It's just, yeah, it's just crazy. There's a difference between your genetic shape and your genetic capacity to build muscle. Yeah. You can have great shape, but, you know, some people just slab muscle onto their fucking 100%. bodies
1: and it just doesn't come off. I'm definitely the first one. <laughs> I have great shape, which is nice. Yeah, but yeah, you look at my entire family; they're all like five three, and they're all like a hundred pounds. But the hundred pounds is not is all like fat because they still have a belly. And they still mm. have like some tits, you know what I mean? But their legs are like this big, and then they're <laughs> so. You're just like the outlier. I'm just the only one who like cared about lifting. Yeah, because I was fat when I was little. When I was younger, oh, really? Yeah, I was super out of shape when I was a kid. My parents huh. put me in all the sports, but I was still fucking out of shape. And like when my parents were like asleep or like hiding, I would like go down to the cupboard and like get snacks and just fucking oh, fat ass. Yeah, I was a fat ass, bro. I was so bad. So even though I was in all the sports, I was like so out of shape and like, you know, I would be picked last for scrimmages and shit. So at one point at 12 years old, something happened. I just snapped. And then I'm like, I was uh, in the middle, I was in middle school doing, um, I was I was introduced to the weight room for the very first time in football in middle school. And when I found out that I was strong cause I was fat cause I had to carry my own weight the entire yeah. time of doing pushups and shit for karate. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna just do weightlifting cause running sucks. Yeah. And like after that, you know, I just, I've been doing this for, I kind of like gave away my age in the last podcast. I've been doing this for like roughly like 15 years, bro. I'm not that okay. big. I'm pretty fucking small, but well, like, when I look at my like family, I'm like, you know what? I'm- so how do you maintain? Like you're you're pretty fucking lean year round, right? I was le- I was lean year round. Um, I wasn't gaining any mass. Like the last three years, I gained zero mass. I was 173 pounds for like three years straight. And then okay. as of like eight to nine months ago, I started like bulking to. As, I, I want to
0: probably relatively easy for you to bulk, right? Because if you got them former fat genetics. It's easy for... Yeah, it's easy. Like, I enjoy eating food.
1: Yeah, it, yeah.
0: Eating food gives me a lot of serotonin. But. And you And you gain... Like, you hold on to that weight when you want to, right? Yeah. Because for me, I have the opposite problem. You I'm, like, 2'10". But to get... Dude, I go through, like, these weird plateaus where, like, my, my, my weight, my body weight is, doesn't go up linearly. It goes up in, like, steps. Mm. And it's kind of like when I get fed up enough that I'm not gaining weight, I just go psycho mode and just start like dirty bulking and then that becomes the new norm and then i stop gaining weight and then i get sick of it and go psycho mode again and you know it's at the point where i'm doing like i'm blending up mass gainer with like pastries like brownies i'll go buy brownies from the store gas. it's yeah but i just chug it i do like whole milk two percent milk and a bunch of mass gainer some protein powder and a bunch of like brownies and it fills up one of those big bullet things. And I'll do like one or two of those a day. And then I'm just Yo, eating. You fucking
1: put brownies in
0: the shaker? Oh, yeah. Blender? Yeah, dude. It's that's crazy, it's making, dog. It, it, that's crazy. My NutriBullet has a burning smell every time I run it now because I've blended. like it's, I've gone way over capacity so many times in that thing. But um, I do that. And then like yesterday, my pre-workout was like two Shake Shack burgers and some fries and a, an a Oreo milkshake. And I just, I'm like heavy breathing going upstairs and I know it's unhealthy and I know that this is shit food. And then I step on the scale and it's like, I've lost a pound and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, bro. It's, it's really annoying. I was thinking if there's like, you know, some sort of drug that can slow down my metabolism. Um, but do you know what your thyroid's at in your last blood work? Yeah, it was elevated, but it wasn't like crazy. It was just like high normal, high, high normal. Yeah. But I, you know, I track my calories and I mean, I don't track them every day, but like once a week I'll kind of calculate an average day and it'll be anywhere from like four to 5,000 and like 5,000, that's like an ideal day and 4,000 is kind of low. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It's just really annoying. And And you're five, nine or five ten. Yeah. And the only answer is to eat more food there's really no way around it. So it's just like, fuck man, how long do I want to do this? You know, I really want to be great. I want, you know, I want my name to be remembered and I want to make a career out of this. And, um, I really, really want to get on the Olympia stage more than anything. It's what I think about every day now, (sighs) but man, the food, just eating this much is like prep was pretty fucking easy. The only thing was just like cravings. I, I just craved certain foods. But in terms of the hunger, I found ways to deal with it. It wasn't that bad. Bulking is it's tough for me.
1: Bulking is tough. Like I like eating food and bulking is still tough as fuck for me. Mm. Um, and it's not the eating. It's like the digestion. Mm-hmm. It's I'm like head in the clouds. I'm not here. I'm not present. I can't do work. I literally just want to sit down. Because do you're nothing. sluggish, right? I'm so sluggish. Dude, when I That's was on prep, terrible.
0: I was hungry you know, a lot. And that's when I started making my daily YouTube videos, a fucking full-blown workout vlog every single day. Granted, Kenny, shout out Kenny, who's my editor. And, uh, he was doing, he was doing all the editing for that. But like, I was filming every day. I was setting up all the camera shots, super ambitious, super energetic. And it wasn't just from the clan. It was like this natural, like my eyes got white, you know, it was like, um, it was almost like a cleanse because I was eating very clean, very minimal food. And then bulking, it's, you know, that's if we ever get into arguments, that's kind of what it's about. Me and my girlfriend, she's like, oh, you're, you're lazy, you're sluggish. And it's like, yeah, you're right. I, it's just, I think it's just the fucking bulk, man. Yeah. I eat all this food and my belly, I'll just like pat my belly and it sounds just so dense and I'll just <laughs> want to lay on the couch and digest,
1: man. <laughs> It's 100% the bulk. dude. (laughs) To be honest, when you texted me earlier, like, yeah, I'm just a lazy bodybuilder. Sorry. I'm like, you said like, sorry, I'm taking a nap or I'm lazy. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I got to take a nap. Yeah. I'm like, this guy is 100% bulking, right? (laughs) Yeah, dude. That's
0: exactly what it is. And when I was on prep, I was so on my shit. And part of it, like part of me wants to just say, fuck it. I'm just going to get shredded and stay shredded year round. Like Tristan Lee type beat.
2: Just be (laughs) shredded
0: all year and I'll just get a bunch of shit done. But... I mean, ultimately, Olympia is the goal. And uh, just hope I can grace that stage one day, even if I don't win or whatever. You know, I just want to get on there.
1: I can tell you from my perspective, because uh, Just Addicts was kind of like a mentor to me in this place because we were doing the exact same type of stuff. Um, and it kind of helped show me some of the ropes. But like being shredded all the time just to do like that kind of content, honestly, is not like it's fun for like a year because you got to show it off and stuff. And yeah. you get like a lot of engagement. You know, you get a lot of new new people coming in. But after a while, you realize, like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Yeah. This is literally, there's no purpose to this. I, I'm starting to affect my mental health because I'm not eating enough calories to stay lean. And then uh-huh. I am not progressing. I'm not I'm not right, progressing right. at all. And I it, hate that
0: feeling, going into the gym, feeling. knowing that you're not making gains. Yeah. And you're doing like, that for,
1: like, a year yeah. or even more.
0: It's just... I've never seriously considered it. But it's just been a thought of, like, fuck. I've seen some people make careers off of that, you know? Like, they just get shredded for a year make a bunch of content and then they start bodybuilding after that, but they already have like a big following. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I I made my career off of that. Basically, there's nothing wrong with it though. I mean, besides the stuff you just said, there's nothing like morally wrong with that. It's a good fucking strategy. (laughs) But at this point it's like, I'm 24, you know, a lot of these guys are, uh, Chris is 28. Chris Bum says 28. He's not that much older than me. Four years. Um, And Ramon, Dino, I think is around the same age so it's like the guy's a fucking monster yeah bro. i don't have time to uh to do that i gotta keep my head down and just
1: keep working so i think you're gonna do great things though bro and i think thank you're gonna you. fucking kill on that stage and i think personally four years especially for you to make that progress is a lot i think you'll make leaps and bounds in those four years thank you if i keep that mass gainer or brownie
0: shake routine up then i'll keep gaining weight <laughs> Nice
1: we were talking about this in the beginning of the podcast and I'm kind of curious about your input, but what is your, what's your thought on the normalization of steroids? Mm, I think the normalization in
0: terms of education is good because there are some people that uh, I can't stand seeing, you know, uneducated boomers usually saying that like, It's going to shrink your dick or whatever. It's just like, oh, don't take steroids. It's going to shrink your dick and do this and that. It's just people deserve to be educated about it. They deserve to know the risks. And they also deserve to know the risk prevention methods. Um, I don't think the normalization of it is good in terms of like... What's happened is a lot of these kids on TikTok... And I know I'm beating a dead horse because so many people have talked about this, but a lot of these kids on TikTok have a kid brain. And when you have a kid brain, you don't really care about what people have to say. And you kind of like to be edgy, right? You remember being edgy as a kid. It's cool to be a contrarian and to almost do the opposite of like what you know is good. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm booking 16 and I take trend fuck yeah I look sick you know because it's it's edgy and it's really hard to tell it's really hard to be like level-headed with someone like that and say listen man I was 16 a while ago now but not that long ago and like I, I know exactly how it feels and trust me you know give them kind of advice it's very hard to get through to them and in the age of social media they can amplify that message to thousands and millions of other kids and you know I'm over here worrying about well um, if I reveal my dosages are other people going to copy my cycles and then there's literal children on TikTok saying I just started 500 milligrams of trend 30-day trend challenge and it's like oh I got nothing to worry about like (laughs) there's kids doing way worse shit out there you know promoting way worse shit so that's not okay um I don't know a way to stop that. All you can do is just do your part and let natural selection work its, work itself out. I know it sounds kind of brutal, but like the people that are stupid enough to do that, it's kind of going to happen either way. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen either way. And you can do all the risk prevention stuff that you want and say, I've taken steroids, I'm very experienced, and here's why you shouldn't take them or here's why you should reconsider. But ultimately, the ones who are listening to that message, who really internalize it and take it in, they probably weren't going to do steroids anyway. And the ones who don't hear your message and go take gear regardless, they were going to do it anyway, you know, whether or not you made a message about it. So there, there is that small percentage of people that you can convert and kind of shake some sense into them. But ultimately... I know it sounds cynical, but I, I just don't think it makes that much of a difference. I wish it did, but I don't think it does. The fact that I see 30-day fucking trend challenge on TikTok makes me think there's no hope. You know? That's crazy. So bro. go ahead, ruin your endocrine system, and then come crying back 10 years later. Like I don't know what to tell you. You know, <laughs> sorry.
1: That's crazy, bro. 30-day trend challenge. Bro. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had some comments tell me that uh I've had some comments say that they chose not to do steroids because of my podcast. That's good. From that. I, I took that as, as a good. Yeah. Right. Um, So that's one, that's kind of one, uh, one argument I tell myself for the whole argue, the whole, um, you know, discussion over like normalizing steroids. Like, is it right? Should we even like, should we just stay hush about it altogether? I do think like educating people on just like the repercussions and things is probably pretty damn important. Because I think what else is going to happen and they have the ability to look things up on Google nowadays. And even though there's not enough information out there, there's still a lot of stuff. Oh yeah. The problem with Google is that if you look just about anything up on
0: Google, it'll say that it causes cancer and it causes this and it causes that. And it's like people have come, people have learned to not trust Google because Google's algorithm promotes like the official quote unquote official sources like WebMD you know, people aren't looking for a WebMD answer when they look up what's the harm in taking steroids. They're looking for a more plates, more dates type person to really break it down. They're not looking for WebMD to say, well, it can cause acne and it can cause hair loss. It's like everyone already knows that basically. So that's why there's this, there's been this trend where more and more Gen Zers are saying that they get their news exclusively through social media, not primarily exclusively through social media. There's a, there's a big chunk general Zers that get their information that's the only way they get their information Mm -hmm. um and you know not everyone on social media is a fucking expert but you do you do have a moral obligation i think to remind people of the dangers of steroids for sure that's what you were saying and i agree with that and if this podcast has changed some people's minds that's good i was talking about more on the general like percentages yeah, I think on the, the, the large percentage of people is not going to have their mind changed. I think you're doing the the fucking you're doing God's work over here by helping that small percentage of people that watch this podcast and actually listen. And you know that small percentage of people that says, "Hey, you changed my mind, and I decided I'm not going to be unnatural anymore." Um, but that's all you can do. And as long as you're doing that, you know, I'd say let let natural selection take the rest from there mm-hmm. or else you can just stress about it all day oh my god i see these kids taking steroids i'm not doing enough
1: mm-hmm. yeah there's only so much we can do yeah like any of the medications that we spoke about today may benefit you such as bpc 157 gh acritic such as tessamorelin igf1 oxandrolone trache semaglutide then you can obtain these from trans and hrt and the link for that will be in the bio if you feel like you're experiencing symptoms of low testosterone, such as depression, anxiety, lack of motivation, as well as lack of sex drive, then you can get this checked out as well by getting your blood work done at Transcend, and they will provide you expert medical analysis. Transcend HRT has worked with many professional bodybuilders and pro athletes, such as Thor Bjornson, Phil Heath, and Jeremy Buendia. And if you feel like this podcast has any relevancy to you, I do believe that this clinic will provide a great benefit to you as well. All right, let's check out these questions. <coughs> Zari asks Does it grip?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, thirsty. Um,. Gustavo asks, what is your unfiltered opinion on the weightlifting, bodybuilding community as a whole right now? Oh, it's an easy question.
0: It's like the most fucking broad question. Uh, Well, I wanted to go back to something earlier. I think that the natural lifters that are coming up, you know, and you named a few names earlier, I think that's good. I would love to think that we played a role in that maybe we did because for a while there was kind of that, there was kind of that gap between, ster- between social media starting and um, the risk of steroids becoming widely known, you know, and there weren't many people talking about the risks of it for a while and you had the era of fake natties and all that kind of stuff and things were almost in limbo. And then recently, you've had a lot of people come out talking about the risks of gear, people like you, people like Derek, people like I've talked about it as well, people like Greg. Um, And I think in doing that, you, you guys have kind of created a vacuum that needed to be filled of like a lot of people were on gear. And you converted people to not wanting to take gear, and then there became this huge um, market that needed to be filled. And that ended up getting filled by these people that came in that were natural, you know, uh, these influencers that came in like shizzy, like Alex, whether or not you think they're natural doesn't matter because a lot of people do think they're natural. Right. So maybe we did play a role in it. My view on the fitness community as a whole I mean, that's such a broad question. I'm I'm somewhat disconnected from it at this point because there are these trends that happen in fitness that I'm almost not even aware of because I'm so fucking focused on getting to the Olympia stage. So all I really follow is just like classic, classic physique, and you know, I'm not really focusing on the fitness community as a whole. So I don't want to give like a half assed answer, but that really is my answer is like, I see shit and I'm just like, this ain't for me. And I just swipe away. If you go on my phone right now and go on, like scroll through my Instagram feed, not much of it is fitness related just because the algorithm, it's not like I have people muted or blocked. It's just like the algorithm is auto filtered out the shit that I don't really watch. And most of it is fitness. I, I don't really watch fitness content. So it's mostly like memes and current events. Um, and then obviously some really big names like Chris Bumstead's name will always come up. Ramon's name will always come up. Yours name will always come up. Um, but yeah, besides that, it's like, oh, did you see so-and-so just fucking bench this or that? It's like, I don't even know who that person is. So I'm sorry to the person who asked that, but you're asking the wrong guy. (laughs) I really am just focused on classic physique. What are your thoughts on the top three in classic right now? I think I don't want to be controversial because I looked up to Chris a lot and I don't want people to think that this is taking a shot at him at all, but if you put the body mass, if you go into like a body mass index calculator and you do heights and weights of the current weight caps for the IFBB and classic, they're not the same. And you should, in my opinion, and you guys in the comments can tell me why I'm wrong. In my opinion, you should pick a BMI make it 29, make it 30, 31, whatever, and make it make it that BMI for every height. And whatever the weight needs to be to have that BMI get calculated, make that the weight cap. But right now, Chris's is like 31.9 BMI. And I think my, my height, the BMI limit, if you do the calculation, is like in the 29s. So his is o- almost like two points higher. And you can think of BMI roughly as a way to determine how big someone is proportionally, regardless of their height. So if the BMI number is higher, it means they're proportionally larger because it's comparing weight to height and it's giving you a number. So I think you should just fucking say 31 BMI is the cap and everyone gets the same BMI um and they did recently do some adjustments to the weight caps to try to give the shorter guys an advantage or not an advantage but to even the playing field but it didn't really fully even it the BMIs are still different and i would at the very least like that question or that issue to be acknowledged and you know if i'm wrong then I would like some sort of explanation on that. So if anyone knows why the BMIs are different and why it actually makes sense, please tell me. But right now it does seem like taller guys in the six foot to like six, three range are heavily favored Um, and shorter guys, especially people that are shorter than me are heavily not favored. So I'm still going to work as hard as I can. And I hope that, as time goes on, maybe the playing field is a little more evened out. So maybe by the time I am approaching the Olympia stage, the weight cap thing has been figured out. But, you know, right now it almost seems like an uphill battle a little bit. Um, you know, Ramon was filling out his weight class before they did the weight cap adjustments. He was like, he had it filled out. He had no room to grow. And Chris was significantly bigger than him, like proportionally just because Ramon is a few inches shorter. So now I think Ramon's got like four pounds to grow. So maybe that'll make things more even. They also gave Chris two pounds, you know?
1: Ramon looks fucking he huge. Does. He does. He does look huge. His last Olympia was insane, man. I think he came in at his and best. I think Chris probably might have been better the previous year. You think he was better than Chris this year? No, I think Chris may have come in. I think Chris had a better package the previous year.
0: Oh, really? Than, I think than this year. Dude, I think Chris looks pretty identical for the last few Olympias because it's like he has a perfect physique for classic. It's so fucking annoying. It is. It's, yeah. it, he has amazing genetics. And uh, why would you change it? The judges are like, he got a perfect score. I think every year mm-hmm. that he's won or close to it. Uh, so why would you change anything? He's mm-hmm. basically filling out his weight cla- uh, cap, maybe at a couple pounds. I wouldn't change anything. If I was Chris, I would come in looking the same every year and just keep fucking racking up those sand outs, dude. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think if, if Ramon can put that extra weight in those weight in that weight cap adjustment onto the right parts of his body, it's going to be crazy. Like next year, because they only announced it a few weeks before the Olympia this year, you know, but next year he's going to be able to get bigger in the off season because now he has time to adjust I think it could be, you know, if Chris decides to compete again next year, I think it could be close. I still think Chris has it. Mm -hmm. I think as long as he competes, he's going to win. Even with weight cap adjustments. And that's why I was saying I don't want to disparage Chris. I think even if they did even the playing field with the BMI, whatever, I think Chris's genetics are still so good and his insertions make him look so big, even when he's lighter that he's just unbeatable. I'm kind of just waiting for him to retire. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I ever want to get on stage and have any hope of placing up there, like I think everyone's just waiting for him to retire and he's having a kid now yep. and he's married so, or he's getting married. Um. So
1: you remember that comment when he was like, everyone's just fighting for second place. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I feel like that's true. how it is until he does retire. Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not he just chooses to take, I don't know he quits because of his new kid or what, but every time I think
0: I'm making progress, Like one of his posts will pop up and I'll be like, dude, that is so far away (laughs) from where I am. It's crazy. Even with someone like yours or Ramon, I know it sounds wild because I'm way smaller than them, but it's still like almost seems like achievable. Like, oh, I can get there one day, but I just see Chris and I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's different fucking species than me. (laughs) I'm a homo sapien. He's like a fucking super sapien, dude. He's just a whole different species also uh in um in regards to your last thing about it was the biggest glaze ever bro I, I i need to wipe my lips after glazing that <laughs> fucking hard holy shit
2: <laughs>
1: uh but the whole like your weight class versus his weight class proportionally the bmi is smaller that's actually not particularly mentioning the bmi though but that argument i've heard before yeah someone's mentioned that Greg. um Greg.
0: Greg Greg Doucette made a big fuss about it and then they changed it. I don't know oh. if it was because of Greg. It could be that he made a big fuss about it and then they decided to take a look and they're like, you know what? He's right. But I just, the thing that I didn't understand is if you load it into the FFMI or the BMI calculator, even after the weight cap adjustments, it's like they took they took the hill from like a steep incline to like a slightly less steep incline. But why wouldn't you just make it flat? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, why well, if you're going to fix it, like fully fix it and the answer might be because i'm wrong and bmi isn't the full answer um you know and i probably am wrong so i just i just want i just want an explanation that's all i want Mm -hmm. but because bmi is supposed to be your body mass index your fucking weight compared to your height how big you are as a person Mm -hmm. so
1: Kenny asks, what techniques, training methods did you use to grow your delts? Like supersets, dropsets, etc. Oh, dude, you are asking the wrong
0: person again. I'm just like, I'm like 0 for 3 at this point. Because I I train my delts like once every two weeks. I have really good delt genetics. Damn. And if I train them too much, they will get too big. And, you know, for that classic physique shape, if you look at the golden era guys, or even the current guys, mm-hmm. their, their delts are not super exaggerated. Like men's physique has super exaggerated delts. But classic, you actually don't want your delts to be too big because you almost look like a Ken doll. You know what I yeah. mean?
1: Um, you classic, know jo- you is know supposed- Josh, Josh Benoy. Uh, yeah, I know that name. Yeah. Wait, he's like uh, the half black guy that like fucking gigantic arms. Um, <laughs>
0: that explains claims, like half snatch. the IFBB right there, dude.
1: <laughs> he's not even the IFBB. Do you know that
0: black guy with a huge arms.
1: <laughs> He's not he's not in the IPB. He uh, um he he just got he just won Mr. Universe for Muscle Mania, but he's like nat or he claims natural. Josh Manoy or Josh Joshua Blaze. Joshua. Oh bl- oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. So assuming that he's telling the truth and that he's natural. Oh yeah, I know this guy. Yeah. <laughs> his arms are crazy, bro. Like you look at his he complains about his shoulders being so small, especially when we're working out. But then I'm like, dude, like that's part of the thing that makes your physique look so classic. In my opinion, it just, blows yeah, your I wouldn't worry.
0: I think dude, you're doing good. Just don't worry about your shoulders. <laughs> Some crazy genetics. And, but something like having really good arm genetics does make you look unnatural. I'm not saying this guy's natty. Cause I don't know him personally. So like, People fucking lie to their friends all the time. I'm not saying he's unnatty. I'm just not saying he's natty. But I will say to his credit, having huge arms genetically just makes you look so much less natural. And if you just shrink yeah. someone's arms and keep the rest of their body the same, all of a sudden they go from looking really unnatty to looking like achievable natty, you know? Yeah. And in some of these pictures, like he's he he he's got that natural look. She's even... You know, some the- of them
1: what chizzy and i had that same discussion and then he brought up uh how jay cutler mentioned that like dinner or something that like yo bro you really need to like chill it on the arm day (laughs) (laughs) it's it's just really fun to train
0: but yeah (laughs) i don't i don't train arms at all i don't train arms at all and i train shoulders about once every two weeks so sorry to that guy but i will say the exercises that i do for shoulders are pretty effective um I like going in front of the head barbell overhead press. And then when I hit failure, I switch to behind the head because for some reason I'm able to squeeze out some extra reps doing that. Um, Barbell overhead press drop sets. And as you go up, you want to abduct your shoulders and kind of get your head under the bar. So you're not just pushing straight up like you're doing an incline press. You want to push up and then as soon as you clear the top of your head, get under the bar and push the rest of the way. Um, And then just like spam lateral raises. And lateral raise drop sets and treat them like a fucking compound you know treat them like you're in a powerlifting competition and the movement is you know how many reps you can do on on lateral raises like if you take it seriously you, dude you can make and we t- we've talked about this on podcast before you can make an isolation really hard if you just put your heart into it you know when you're doing something like a barbell squat it forces you to go hard because you got that fucking weight on your back. And like, if you fail, you bail and you don't want to bail. So you, it forces you to kind of hit failure. If you know what I mean? When you're doing leg extensions or any other kind of isolation, it's very easy to stop when you're 20 reps away from failure and say, oh, that was a good set. That was a pump up set. It was a fluff set, but it didn't actually fucking do shit. To actually hit failure on something like leg extensions or lateral raises try it, try doing it for one set and you'll see how hard it is. Like you always have another rep in the tank. Even when you think you don't until your body is giving out on you. And then it's like, Oh, that's, that's the potential an isolation movement has. If I wanted to, I can really go hard if I want to, you know, you know, I'm
1: just saying for everyone out there. I agree with the whole destroying it on the lateral raises a hundred percent. I actually had very small delts. So I ended up Doing a DUP, you know, daily underrated yeah, yeah. periodization program, but for hypertrophy, I was basically doing lateral raises, eight reps, 15 reps, then like 20 to 25 reps, three times a week for like three years. And then my shoulders just blew up. So yeah, finally, finally worked. But like the volume was kind of ridiculous. And I feel like some people would be like, holy shit, isn't that like too much volume? But I know it'll work for me. Just got to play around with it. It just takes a long time to mm-hmm. play around certain things. Josh says, "A uh, post more inward. are <laughs> post more what post more (laughs) n-word
0: yeah i know dude i i fucking slacked on youtube for a long time dude it's hard coming off of like a prep series all those views and all the hype and like then you're
1: just back to the bulk and it's like (sighs) i know what you mean bro that's why that's why this is my favorite content Yes, yeah, I know, man. This this doesn't this shirt doesn't come off.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I do like podcasts. I just have a tendency to rant as people have probably noticed. If there's like dead air, I'll just keep talking. <laughs> I need to learn how to not do that.
1: To be real with you, the reason why I switched the subject so quickly earlier is because we were already over time. I normally try to keep my podcast about an hour and a half and we are now about an hour over.
0: Oh, we're two and a half. We're about at two and a half now. Pretty dude, crazy. I went almost three and a half with my editor Kenny talking about conspiracies. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's epic. And it was funny is after we ended the podcast, Sush went to bed and me and me and Kenny stayed up till sunrise talking about conspiracies. No way. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's actually sick. Sick as fuck. Because <laughs> he knew all the shit I was talking about, and then he'd bring up something, and I'm like, you know about that too. And then we'd go <laughs> down all these rabbit holes, dude. That's hilarious.
1: <laughs> uh, Uber says, uh, can you stop farting in your videos? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there's a there's a compilation
0: on YouTube of uh Marcus Rule burping and farting when he was bulking. Oh my god. And it's just like someone just made a collection of clips of That's him crazy. just like ripping
1: ass. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there was like a Sam Solid compilation of him burping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sam's one of the people that inspired me to
0: bulk harder. I'm like, oh, if I bulk any harder, I'm gonna be unhealthy. And then I saw him eat like 12 fucking donuts for breakfast. And I'm like, okay, I need to fucking step it up.
1: <laughs> oh, shit, that's crazy. I, I got to do say, I am definitely blessed with not having to dirty bulk like that. That's a nice yeah. thing. Yeah, now you are. Um, Waleed asks, what's, what's your cycle? Who is monitoring your bloods? How long have you been on cycle?
0: Monitoring my bloods would just be... I don't want to say who but I just have a friend that's very knowledgeable that looks at my blood work because I don't want to pay a doctor. Um, and then my cycle, I actually have it written out because I need I needed to write it out to measure because I mix all the gear in one syringe and then I backfill insulin syringes. So I needed every five days, I do one ml of tests, 0.85 ml EQ and 0.4 ml DECA. So th- this averages out over seven days to 140 DECA, 350 tests and 357 EQ per week. I know it's like a weird number, but that's just how it comes out to, And that is 847 total milligrams per week, which is by far the fucking heaviest cycle I've ever ran. Oh, wow. Um, really? Oh, yeah. Like, would you say it's well, aside heaviest from for prep, bulk? Aside from like, prep, the what? last couple of weeks of prep, I was pushing it into the gram range and that was definitely unnecessary and um, just stupid. It was kind of like I was just taking all these different things because it was my first prep. And also like the AI usage and the caber usage to keep my gyno down was probably the most unhealthy. It was probably more unhealthy than the gear. So I'm going to get gyno surgery. So next time I don't have to do that. That's a lot of stress on your heart and your organs to take that those kinds of AIs and caber. Um, but yeah, besides that, for a bulk, this is like 30% more than my previous peak for like bulking
1: cycle to be honest i'm kind of surprised that you talked about it or that you said it after in the beginning of the podcast yeah <laughs> really? i figure
0: because i figure if we're two and a half hours in anyone who's still watching is like probably not just like some random ass kid who might in okay. my cycle yeah. unless this gets clipped and put on fucking TikTok.
2: Tape-
1: <laughs> 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 okay, okay okay um let's see uh Oh, this is a nice one. Um, I don't know his name, but DW or something asks, is Godlight's symmetry like your physique is achievable or is symmetry is just purely genetics? A, a big
0: part of it's genetics, but a big part of it is not. I'd say it's 50-50 because I was very top heavy for a while and I was very trap heavy for a while. And you just have to learn how to accept that there's certain body parts you can never train ever. And it sucks. Like, you know, sometimes you want to do some heavy shrugs, You can't do that because your traps will double in size if you have my trap genetics, you know, and then I'll I'll just look like a gear monster. I don't want to look like that. Um, You know, not like that. The super thick like traps area just makes you look like an open bodybuilder. And that's not the look I'm going for. And same with legs. You have to accept even though you don't like training legs, you're probably going to have to train them like three times a week. And that's what I've been doing. I've been doing splitting up my quad and glute days and my hamstring days. And, you know. I've hit legs every other day. So I don't enjoy it, but for me to have this symmetry and proportions, it's necessary. Um, So, yeah, you just have to train certain body parts more or less than you probably want to.
1: Edwin asks, um, (laughs) Edwin asks, why is Sush more of a simp than you, Jem, love brother? I don't know if he's a simp. He's in that
0: honeymoon stage, they just started dating. You know, they just fucking made it official a few months ago. So, dude, I was a super simp back then when she was in, she was in, uh, going to Oklahoma OU, Oklahoma University. I was, fly- dude, I don't even want to say how much I spent on flight tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I flew her out or I flew there every weekend. And our, our deal was it was going to be every two weeks so that I could save money. And I just couldn't. Every single time she would beg and then I'd, it didn't take much for me to
1: fold. I'd be like, okay,
2: <laughs> it's crazy, Whoa.
1: man. That's kind of awesome though, bro. I mean, we've all been there at some point. Yeah. Plus like at least you're together.
0: Yeah. You know? That's yeah, dude. And no, I wouldn't take it back. Um, I'd like some of my money back. But no, just <laughs> uh, dude, she, we ended up, she got like fucking tens of thousands of, of Southwest points. After we went through all the receipts, I'm like, wait, you get points even if I buy your ticket. She's like, Yeah. So we went back and she got so many points. She's got free flights for a while now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> many, dude.
1: That's lit. The worst is when you're simping and like you're not together, you know? Yeah. We were, uh, no, we were like dating at this point, just low key. Favorite hair safe cycle? Opinions on DECA only? Asked by Angsty Wolf.
0: <laughs> See, I am Angsty Wolf. <laughs> 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 I I am the good guy to ask on that one because I've ran a DECA only cycle. I added in a tiny, tiny bit of D-ball. Just the only purpose of the D-ball was to give me a little bit of estrogen um, because DECA only aromatizes at about one-fifth the rate of testosterone. So if you only run DECA, you're probably not going to get enough estrogen. Anyway, I made really good gains on it, but I also got some pretty bad mental side effects from it. I don't know the exact pathway or why, but I think it's because I, your your body and your brain and your fucking neurons and every cell in your body is attuned to take in testosterone. And when you give it something else, 19 nor testosterone, which is DECA, and you give it Dianabol, which is also not testosterone, it's like it just doesn't hit the receptors the right way, man. I wish I could explain it better, but... There's just certain things that it's like having a vitamin deficiency, you know, you have a testosterone deficiency and even though you kind of get similar hormones in there, it's not the same. So Mm -hmm. even though I made great gains on it muscular wise and the look I had was like full and fucking lean and God, I looked good on it, man, but (laughs) I had to stop it and switch over to 500 uh, for a while. I was just doing 500 tests and that was it. Um, But yeah, I mean, my hair looked way better when I was just running the DECA and the D-ball, pretty hair safe, you know? So then I switched over, switched over to test and my hair
1: fell out. <laughs> <And>
2: now I'm <laughs> running Minoxidil.
1: <sighs> spraying it on my head. Same. Minoxidil-finasteride combo is uh, is epic, especially if yeah. you add microneedling on top. Yeah, I need to start doing that. I actually did the uh, exact same cycle you did. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, and uh, I would expect, I would explain that feeling as if, like you think of like balls hitting a receptor, instead of them hitting a receptor, you place like a like a cloud on top, so not all of them hit it, mm. and some of them would just like bounce off or something. Mm. Like, yeah, it was a very, um, it was, it was weird. almost like putting it was a kind of numbish.
0: Yeah, you're like, trying to totally put a square there. peg in a round hole. All your receptors are fucking round holes, and you're hitting <laughs> it with a square peg, and like it doesn't fit in right. So it's like, uh, it, it it the feeling I got was kind of just like shit <laughs> i don't know how to explain it it was just like anxiety but not super pronounced just kind of this background like you know kind yeah. of like i'm I'm a little i feel weird i feel a little anxious do i feel anxious or do i feel something else it was just this weird like my emotions were just kind of jangled mm-hmm. and for a while i didn't know what it was and i kind of ignored it and then after a few months it was like okay i'm pretty sick of like these weird emotions that I can't even really Mm -hmm. put my finger on. So I'm just going to switch to
1: test. And then I felt like Superman. So Mm. yeah. Yeah. I felt so much better when I jumped on test and I I thought like, honestly, I thought this cycle was kind of good for me. The whole like Deca only I was doing NPP. So that way I could drop it quickly Mm -hmm. if I needed to. Um, And uh, I got everything checked you know, it took a little bit debo sometimes and switched to HCG at some point for the estrogen. And my estrogen was in range and my prolactin was in range. Mm. Um, I had P5P on hand in caber just in case. Uh, but, you know, there's no test. So the prolactin doesn't really raise that high. Mm-hmm. But I still had huge decadic. Oh, really? Literally no erections.
0: Oh, that's weird. I was no, taking I Cialis didn't. and I still didn't have huh. erections. No, I didn't have any issues so. with that because to my understanding, deca dick was caused from from the fact that when people take DECA, they usually take test and DECA, right? Mm-hmm. And a little known fact about DECA is it actually makes your body more sensitive to estrogen. I know that sounds like bro science, but I learned that from Derek himself. It makes it, so a normal amount of estrogen that you produce with testosterone, when you add DECA into the mix, it makes your body more sensitive to it and you kind of get high E2 sides, which include your dick not working like at all. Mm. That's the most noticeable high E2 side besides gyno. It's like your dick doesn't work. Mm. So I never got dick because I wasn't running tests with it. So that's kind of, I, I didn't know, I didn't even know that's like possible. Maybe it's progesterone or something because it's like a
1: Yeah, I'm not really sure what it could be. Effect. Honestly, I'm just kind of scared about, I'm kind of scared of 19 noise in general. Just, Neurotoxicity and like, yeah, fucking trend not is, working. Fucking Trent is a 19
0: nor derivative, right? And it's pretty fucking neurotoxic. So that's why I'm only running 140 a week, and I'm not going above that. And really, the reason I added that in very recently is because I was getting injured a lot, and I think I had to do. I was running 400 test, 400 EQ. That was it. Um, and I was getting injured, and I just figured it had maybe something to oh. do with, uh the EQ was killing off all my estrogen Mm because it antagonizes it. Maybe there wasn't enough joint cushioning. And I just heard anecdotally from a lot of my friends that DECA really helped with joint cushioning. So I was like, yeah, well,
1: I was thinking of the same thing. So I wanted to add Deca to mine too. Um, and I asked vigorous, you know, Vigor Steve. Yeah. Yeah. So I asked Steve about it and honestly, he told me like, if you, which I do like, kind of feel a little bit weird about taking DECA and NPP, especially if it's on top of test. He said, honestly, it's not even worth the joint cushioning because it's simply for a feeling. Just instead, he gave me a stack. Um, I can give it to you afterwards, but That'd I'm pretty sure perfect. it was like Boswell extract. I'm taking like six pills. It's like three doses of Boswell extract every day. Magnesium bisglycinate, 100 to 200 milligrams every meal, and then K-complex once a day.
0: Okay. I mean, yeah. that shit I should, I mean, the K-Complex I should probably be taken anyways.
1: It's a fucking huge dose of Biswella or Boswella extract. Oh. It's a huge ass dose. So, And it but, just increases joint cushioning? I don't really know. He just told me just to do it for my joints and I <laughs> Dude, started... That's, how, like, Whatever I, that's, you say, that's how I am with Derek. I'm like, you tell me to do something, I'll fucking do it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the SD cards died, so sorry guys. <laughs> yeah. Of of no face. But anyways... Perfect timing. So I end every podcast with um, this one last question. So if you were to die tomorrow and you had one message you could send out to the entire world, what would you say? Oh, damn.
0: If I died tomorrow. Can I give a lame answer? Sure. (laughs) I would probably just... If it's one message and all it gets one message, it would probably be a very long, very, very long written message to my uh, family and loved ones, if I'm being honest. I don't have any grand fucking grand message to give everyone else. I'd probably just say, good luck. Good luck with everything. Please find the meaning of life for me <laughs> and see if you can relay it to me from beyond the grave. But yeah, besides that, it would just be my uh, my loved ones. Nice. That's yeah. a good answer
1: good answer. good all right thanks for coming on the podcast dude that was honestly super epic
0: yeah it was that was one of the longest pods i've ever done it was second probably second or third longest i've ever done
1: yeah 100 percent the longest podcast i have ever done <laughs> in my entire life <laughs> good dude that dude, was dope we covered a lot of shit we covered some good
0: topics yeah covered a lot of gear that usually is what happens whenever I go on a podcast. <laughs> and ends up going into Gear Dog. People will love that though. At least yeah, my audience true. will. True, true, true. Where can everybody find you? Uh James.english on Instagram. James English on YouTube. But there's funnily enough, there's another James English, and he also has a podcast. Yeah. And his podcast is way bigger than mine. I know. Him, it's yeah. at like 400,000. Um and actually, we were going to do a podcast. I need to get back to him. I know he messaged me. Oh, that's it's like James English, ex-James English podcast. Oh, that's epic. Yeah. Um. So me on YouTube and then Snapchat. I've been posting on Snapchat a lot. So it's James P. English on Snapchat. And that's just, I post random thoughts and just random vlog shit throughout the day. I really like Snapchat because it's super unfiltered. So
1: yeah, I don't really use TikTok that much, but I'm on there. But... Thanks, everybody, for watching. If you want to support the podcast, you can by uh, best non-cost way is by rating us a five-star on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. And also subscribing to the YouTube channel and clicking that bell button because, you know, it helps. And also, if you want to help support us, you can use our code, YoungLA, code, um, code, uh, James. Jam. Jam. (laughs) J-A-M.
0: Yeah. For everything. Code G-A-M for everything. everything.
1: Yeah. And then code Nile. And, um, yeah, I guess that's it. We have a
0: five-star rating. It actually is very important. And it takes like two seconds. (laughs) Thanks, Obi. All right. Peace, boys. Peace.